Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here. All you have to do is dial in. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Big, big news in the arena of cryptocurrency news today. Uh, Well, not just today, but in the last few days. There was uh, the final ruling in the library case which we've been following fairly closely here on Free Talk Live. The quote-unquote final judgment is in. And also in is the long-awaited SEC versus Ripple ruling by a judge in that case that has been going on for a couple, maybe two or three years uh, at this point. So that is in. These are two fairly large and important cases for the cryptocurrency world. I haven't had a chance to read through the whole library ruling, but I've uh, skimmed through a good chunk of it. And the big takeaway, I think, so far uh, from the library ruling is that Odyssey will not be enjoined. And that was the big question, uh, for me at least, in that particular case, because we knew library, which is this decentralized... uh, So there's the library protocol, which is a decentralized protocol for the point of sharing media on the internet. Uh, That could be videos. It could be audio files. That cannot be taken down. That cannot be enjoined. That is just code that exists online. That's what library at its core is. There was also the library corporation. And by the way, with you tonight here, it's Ian. And Jay. So there's also the library corporation, which had programmers that were working on that code. It had a CEO. It had a your typical kind of corporate structure. And there's also something else called the Library Foundation. The Library Foundation wasn't involved in this lawsuit. The code itself obviously can't be involved in a lawsuit. The SEC came after Library of the Corporation. Why? Well, because you can target a corporation. It has a board of directors. It has a, a CEO or whatever, right? Like it's got some but- sort of a corporation is actually the creature of the state. That's true. A corporation exists because the Secretary of State approves a corporate charter or an application yes. for a corporation. But it has people behind it. There are people who asked for that charter. Correct. There are people who filled out the applications asking for the benefit of having the the perceived benefit, at least, of, of having a corporation. So they knew who to go after. They knew where their office was located. And they uh, they went after them. And they, they won. I mean, ultimately, the SEC... Won the case. They have destroyed the library corporation. It has no more employees. It has no money with which to uh, to pay its employees. They are going through the process of completely shutting down. They have to pay over a hundred and I think it's one hundred ten thousand or one hundred eleven thousand uh, dollars to the SEC if they even have that. I don't know. I don't know what their their finances are. It, it didn't look very good in December when they filed a report with the court in this case. But the good news is, if there's any good news in this library case, it is that Odyssey, which is the platform that is sort of built on library, not entirely. Library's involved in Odyssey, but Odyssey's also got central servers where it stores video content. Odyssey's a video sharing platform, kind of like YouTube, but without the censorship that YouTube has. And we've been streaming and we've been posting our content there for a few years now. And so the big question, I think, in the library case, and I have reached out to Jeremy Kaufman to see if we can get him on the show to talk about it in the next few days. I'm sure he's got a bunch of interviews he's in the middle of doing. He's the CEO over there. Um, Just kind of get his perspective on what all this means. 
But uh, the the good news is Odyssey, the SEC wanted to enjoin Odyssey. They wanted to go after Odyssey because Odyssey did come from Library. So Library sort of gave birth to this other corporate entity, uh, this website, odyssey.com, where you can go and subscribe to us by going to video.freetalklive.com. That takes you right to our Odyssey channel. You can subscribe to our channel there. You can also uh, send contributions to us directly through Odyssey, which is a very cool feature that they have as well but the big question was were they going to be shut down also was the sec going to be able to enjoin them from sharing library tokens with their users for instance which is what library got in trouble for library actually got in trouble for giving away library tokens so even though they didn't i mean they they did have a way you could you could buy the tokens obviously but they actually would just give people tokens for just signing up an account, just creating an account with uh, with their system. They yeah, would- yeah. This is like a, just a, a, a an extreme example of all this stuff. As uh, you know, the the evil flailing, you know, multiple head monster we call the bankers, you know, the den of vipers, as mm-hmm. John Adams referred to them. You know, uh, they're uh, they're fighting back as hard as they can because you know. If they don't, they're really, really going to lose. I think they're going to lose anyways. Uh, in you the mean end, in the long run? Yeah. In the long run, because yeah. the technology is just so much superior and, and the world is waking up. And, you know, people like me are encouraging everyone not to use this fiat dollar because it's, you know, create it creates all the problems that we have today are, sure. are, are 100% because of fractional reserve banking and money created out of thin air. And all, the, all of Jeffrey Epstein's friends, uh, all of his clients, uh, all the people who rape little boys and girls the child molesters, um, you know, they get all their power, all their influence, all their authority because they are at the top of the food chain. They are the, the people that are essentially controlling, you know, the creation of money, how much money there is, the, you know, at, at, at their whims and just creating out of thin air. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and, and the thing, too, with, um, you know, Jeremy Kaufman, like, uh, I, I know his family really well. Mm-hmm. And, the, like, his son, his oldest son is six years old. And he uh, did a man camp pro- project at uh, Porkfest. He made an iron coat hook, and the kid was amazing uh, uh, how well he did Probably his... helps that he's homeschooled, right? Well, so he's homeschooled. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad's a really smart dude. Um, you know, and, and also his his uh, his mom, you know, uh, Rachel, uh, uh, is uh, she, she's a superstar mom. They're, they're just a really good family. Mm-hmm. And, and this is like, this is an attack on a good family. It absolutely is. And it's an attack against the freedom to, to share information on a all, wider all basis. That stuff. I want to continue the discussion here, but we actually have, I believe, Sheriff uh, Hathaway down there in, uh, David Hathaway in Arizona on the line here. David? Yeah, good evening, uh, Ian and Jay. I'd like to talk tonight about the despicable federal sentencing process. Um, sure. I've been through this many times, and I think a lot of people don't understand it. Uh, some of the things that are really bad about it, uh, anybody who's watched Perry Mason thinks that, you know, you you're not, don't allow hearsay in a courtroom, but in federal sentencing hearings, federal agents are allowed to use hearsay. In other words, to say things that they've heard from other people. Another thing they've allowed to do is uh, they get designated as expert witnesses, which allows them to speculate and and render opinions. But what this all results in is things being added to the sentence. There's a thing called mm-hmm. pretrial services that creates a sentencing report for the judge, and it's all based 
on points. And, right. and what this results in is a federal agent can summarize things that were told to him by a paid informant, like a third party who's actually not on the witness stand, mm -hmm. and enter this as evidence. And people who are federal prisoners or federal defendants, they, be, they come to understand this process, and they're surprised by it. Like, mm -hmm. they're baffled, how can this be that people get sentenced for things that they were never convicted on in court, they never mm -hmm. charged on in court. And uh, there's a word for this that federal prisoners call this ghost crimes or ghost charges or if it's a drug yeah, case. Yeah, somebody had brought ghost, this up ghost. on the air, I don't know, a few months ago, and uh, we learned it's done a lot in drug cases specifically. Yeah, but... and it's done it's done in other cases, mm -hmm. too. Like, let me give you an example from a drug case. Say that there's a—somebody's convicted— of an eight ball of crack cocaine, like three and a half grams of crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. And that the federal agents actually sees that through an undercover operation. They put the drugs on the table, they charge, and they get a conviction. But what happens is in the sentencing hearing, a federal agent will get on the witness stand and he will summarize what he has been told by a paid defendant, a third-party individual. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the hearsay. And they'll go to a paid informant and they, they'll ask the informant, well, um, how often do you think this guy deals dope? Oh, about every day. Well, how much hmm. does he deal in a week? Like, oh, multiple ounces every week. So how long has he been doing this? Would you say 10 years? Oh, yeah, I'd say at least 10 years. And then they do the math, and they multiply it out, hmm. and they wind up to charging the guy, uh, I mean, sentencing him on 100 kilos of cocaine, even though they only charged him and presented evidence on three and a half grams of cocaine right. that they got from him. So this, they'll call this ghost dope, but they do this on other things too. Like say Ross Albrecht, they'll get a federal agent to suggest that he was tangentially involved or facilitated a bunch of homicides, mm -hmm. which he never did. Which they did. And they never charged him with homicide. Right. They never presented evidence or it wasn't even one of the pending charges. So you get a guy who created an internet platform, you know, just something like Google or like Gmail, some way where people can communicate with each other, and they will suggest that through this platform, people may have done, may have communicated about contract killings. We're not mm -hmm. going to prove it or present right. any evidence wow. or, charge Ross, or charge Ross Albrecht. But at the sentencing hearing, they do this sort of hearsay, and it sort of suggested that Ross Albrecht was, uh, you know, sort of involved in uh, facilitating contract killings. And then they'll get the federal agent to be designated as an expert witness, which means he's allowed to render an opinion, hmm. which otherwise opinions aren't allowed, hearsay is not allowed. And I saw this happen many times in federal court. And then there's these things called enhancements when pretrial mm -hmm. services does a, a, um, a sentencing report. It's based on points that puts you in a certain sentencing range. Right. And they can have points that increase or things that reduce the points to make it go higher and lower on the sentencing range. Mm -hmm. And like, there's different things like uh, there's one called use of a firearm to facilitate a federal crime. And you'll quite often see this in drug crimes where there was not a firearms charge as part of the indictment. It was not proven. It was not even charged. Uh, and But what they'll do in the sentencing hearing, they'll, get, they'll go to an informant, once again, hearsay, third party, and say, hey, did this guy have a gun? Oh, yeah, he had a gun. Uh, did he have it with him all the time? Well, he would have it in his house. Um, 
were some of these drug crimes committed in his house? Oh, yeah. I saw people with dope in his house. Mm-hmm. Do you think this guy would have used the, gu- the gun if things went squirrely? Oh, yeah. I'm sure he would have used the wow. gun. So then what they do is they, they paraphrase that and they get a federal agent in the sentencing hearing to say how this guy had a gun and how it was, in mm-hmm. essence, used to facilitate a drug crime, even though there was never a gun charge. Wow. And then they will add points onto the sentencing for use of a firearm in in commission of a drug crime. And there's other things they do, too, like, for example, a school zone. If you're within 1,000 or 1,500 feet, sometimes they use those two standards, which is like Mm -hmm. three or five football fields from a school. Um, Then they will say uh, federal crime within a school zone. Mm -hmm. But this can mean that somebody passed by within several football fields of a school while they had drugs with them or when they supposedly had drugs, according to an informant. Mm. Never charged, never proven, no video, no seizure near a school, and then they could add points onto a onto a uh, onto a drug conviction that might have only been for an eight ball of cocaine, but they'll add these points on because it was committed a part of it part of the conspiracy happened supposedly within the school zone. But there's other ones, too, other enhancements. There's what they call leadership points. Uh, and there's this saying, first one on the bus gets the best deal, last one on the bus gets the worst deal. So what this, in essence, means you'll charge multiple people in a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. That could be like cryptocurrency conspiracy, federal firearms, drug trafficking. And they try to get people to plea to to one of the charges and so if you plea they'll give you points off for what's called acceptance of responsibility and Mm -hmm. meaning like oh you saved the government the trouble of preparing for trial and going to trial and then the last one on the bus um is loses those points off uh for saving the government trouble for right that's why they're going after aria as hard as they have because she didn't take the first plea deal offer she held out for several more months until ultimately deciding to go ahead and take a plea. And surprise, surprise, she's the only one sitting in jail right now of the five or the uh, the four defendants who took plea deals. The rest of them yeah. got time served and, you know, they're sitting at home. Yeah. And another thing they do to get points off after you plea to one of those charges so that they you don't get convicted on all the charges. Then they do this sneaky little trick called a proffer interview and what and they do this all the time if you if you're the first one on the bus first second third one on the bus if you don't hold out for your trial and make them convict you on the charges in mm-hmm. front of a jury if you're one of the ones that gets on the bus first first and accept a plea deal they they do what's called an an immunity offer and a give you a proffer interview so they give you a letter that says you are immune to any additional crimes you admit but you have to come in and talk to a federal agent mm-hmm. it, you're immune if you inv- admit new crimes uh you won't be charged uh, but you're going to lose these points off for doing a proffer interview if the federal agent decides that you're not fully truthful or if you're not pro- providing what they call 
quote unquote, substantial assistance to the government, meaning you have to point the finger at other people. You have to mm -hmm. dump on somebody else where they can use your testimony against that person. And at any point in the interview, the federal agent can decide you're just regurgitating your discovery, things you read on discovery. Uh, you're not giving us anything new. I'm going to tear up this proffer, this immunity agreement, mm -hmm. and now we can charge you with anything that you admit to, any crimes that you admit to. Where they start out saying you're going to be immune from anything you admit to, <laughs> but you have to provide substantial assistance to the government to go against other people. Mm -hmm. And then, and this is another way you can get points off your sentencing. They have where uh, you save the, the government the trouble of going to a trial, you pled to something, okay, you get points off for that. Um, if you do a proffer interview, you get points off for that. And then on the other end, there's the enhancements, all those things I mentioned where they add points yeah. to the sentencing calculation. And, you know, sometimes like if they suggest things like suggesting that Ross Albrecht was facilitating homicides, which he was never charged with, those things are also used to push the judge into the higher end of the sentencing range. If mm -hmm. it's not an outright enhancement that's in the federal sentencing laws, it'll push him up into the higher end of the range. And what's so despicable, back how I first started out, is that hearsay is allowed, yeah. meaning a federal agent in a sentencing hearing, only in a sentencing hearing, a federal agent can uh, describe third-hand information that he didn't witness from a paid informant, and he can summarize that this person saying, oh, yeah, he did gun things, he did all these additional weight of dope, you know, he facilitated homicides, they can say whatever they want. He did a crime in a school zone, and then all of that is is put in in the form of hearsay. And if I, if you have time, I'll give you an example of how this expert witness thing com comes into play. Sure. I saw this on a lot of drug cases. When you used I was to be in the, the DEA, Mexican... by the way, yeah. for listeners that don't know. Uh, be on the Mexican border. Say that there's some migrant worker that's coming into the Imperial Valley in California, and he that's his job. And somebody gives him a car when he's going to work and said, you know, hey, Jose, can you drop this off at the shop to get the brakes worked on? while you're driving to work. And he's like, he says, sure, or they give him a few bucks. So that's the guy's story. He's, he's arrested with, say, 10 kilos of cocaine in the spare tire in the back of the car. Now, the federal agents try to get him to confess, and he doesn't. And there's no pictures, photo, photographs, fingerprints, corroborating evidence to show that the guy driving the car, the migrant worker, had anything to do with the drugs. So what they'll do is, They'll get a federal agent on the witness stand and go through this little ritual, ritual where they designate him as an expert witness. And this means he's allowed to render opinions mm. and he's allowed to speculate. So then after they go through this, what's your training? How many years of experience do you have? How many cases you've been involved with? And then they make a motion to the judge to designate that guy as an expert witness. And what that means is he can now render opinions and speculations, and then they'll ask the federal agent, in this case I'm using as an example, in your experience, Agent Smith, would a drug cartel uh, give $100,000 worth of dope hidden in a spare tire to some random mope that doesn't know it's there? In your experience, does that ever happen? And then the federal agent would say, no, he must have known. He had to have known. And he's allowed to render an opinion and speculate. And that's used as evidence God. if they don't have a confession or anything else. 
the federal agent now designated as an expert witness is allowed to speculate and render opinions. And then even though they have no evidence, no confession, no video, no fingerprints, nothing to show that this guy knew the stuff was in the spare tire, it's accepted from the federal agent if he's designated as an expert witness. Mm. So that's one of the other despicable tricks. Wow. I mean, it's just, I'm looking forward to my sentencing hearing. So I wonder if there's a way yeah. uh, to rebut any of these, um, you know, statements or, you know, claims made no, by no, these federal agents. I mean, can, There's can, not, Jay, because, look, like, back to Ian's thing. I don't like to talk about that. I don't like to be in a negative mood and get mm-hmm. sad thinking about Ian's situation coming up. But it's the same thing. In the sentencing hearing, the federal agent can take the stand. He's not bound by evidence. He's not bound by charges that were that were ostensibly supposedly proven, which they weren't proven, but mm-hmm. they were they were charged and proven and a conviction was rendered by a jury or a judge. He's not bound to that. He can now stray into all these things. He can say there was fraud. In your opinion, this crypto defendant that was selling cryptocurrency, in your opinion, um, did he facilitate fraud? Yes. He did facilitate fraud because I know that some people were defrauded by Bitcoin. So would you say, Mr. Agent, Mr. Expert Witness, and you're allowed to do hearsay, would you say anybody dealing in cryptocurrency should know or would know that they are facilitating fraud? Yes. In my opinion, that is the case. So they're allowed to actually enter the idea of fraud which there's no fraud Mm -hmm. uh, proven, a guy just selling uh, cryptocurrency, or in the case of Ross Bulbricht, entered the idea of homicide into the sentencing as an expert witness and using hearsay, Mm -hmm. even though it was never proven or charged in court. And then the guy gets sentenced, and then Ross Bulbricht gets multiple life sentences because of the suggestion in a sentencing hearing that he was facilitating homicide or the suggestion in a a crypto seller in his sentencing hearing that he was facilitating fraud. And then that pushes the sentence into the higher end of the range. So, I mean, it's, it's just despicable. And I think people who have watched courtroom dramas just think, no, 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 no. Yet hearsay cannot be used in a courtroom. Well, Mm. maybe not during a trial, but in a federal sentencing hearing, it can be. Wow. And does that apply to defense? Can defense witnesses use hearsay, or is it only the federal prosecutors? No, no. This is only <laughs> when they're in they're in a sentencing hearing and they're summarizing what's called the relevant conduct. You know, uh-huh. that's the pretrial services d- writes out a report describing the relevant right. conduct uh, that's related to the sentencing, and it's not just the things that were convicted. Yeah. It's these things that were in federal informant debriefing reports. All this extra dope or extra fraud or something that supposedly this defendant Stuff is they never proved. That, was, yep. that was never proven and never charged. Wow. And the judge takes all of that under consideration when issuing the ruling. Yeah, exactly, because he's allowed to accept the opinions from the expert witness and the hearsay, and there doesn't even have to be the informant on the witness stand. The federal agent can just right. summarize wow. off the top of Absolutely his head uh, David, if you had more, you're welcome to hang on. If not, I appreciate the uh, the call. There's more Free Talk Live coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. 
There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here and you can bring up what you want. The phones are open and the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Jay here in the studio tonight. we got more on the library case coming up. Plus, the Ripple ruling is also in. These are big, big rulings in the various different SEC Securities and Exchange Commission cases against cryptocurrency companies in the United States. These are two of the very first cases that the SEC has brought. They are now coming to a close, and we'll give you updates on that here in a little bit. Also, uh, this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending And there was some bad news that came out this week about Dash Direct, which we've been telling you about over the past couple of months uh, that we've had this Dash sponsorship on Free Talk Live. Our our co-host, Captain Kickass, has used Dash Direct extensively even prior to uh, Dash sponsoring the show. So he was a big fan of it. And uh, unfortunately, the company that was behind the app uh, is leaving the crypto business. And apparently they were also behind uh, Cake Wallet. Uh, gift card app as well for Monero. So there's both the Dash Direct app and the Cake gift card. I don't know what the name of the Cake one is, but the Cake gift card app is also being shut down by this particular company due to government, you know, the general threats. I don't know if they received a specific threat. I don't know the behind the scenes what went on, but uh, apparently they were intimidated by the continuing government attacks on cryptocurrency and they are bailing out of the business which is unfortunate uh because dash direct was such a cool app the good news is it wasn't the only provider of discounted gift cards that you could purchase with dash in fact bitrefill.com has been accepting dash for years and has a ton of big name retailers and brands including grocers gas stations phone refills Amazon, and you can even buy prepaid MasterCards. So you could actually live off of your Dash using bitrefill.com, and many of their gift cards also do come with a discount. So definitely worth looking into that. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. As we go back to Sheriff David Hathaway, he's on the line with us calling from the border uh, county of Santa Cruz, county down there in arizona where he is the sheriff of that county uh you were telling us about the ghost drugs nonsense that goes on at some of these federal sentencing uh hearings and uh, that is just absolutely ridiculous but before you continue i know jay you wanted to uh, i don't know say something to the sheriff make sure we get that out there so go yeah right well, i got a couple things um 
I wanted to ask you some questions about confidential informants. But first, I'd like to thank you for your, uh, you sent me a letter and a nice little uh, contribution to help put on man camp. Um, and, nice. uh, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, man camp was, uh, got great reviews from parents and, uh, just people in general. In fact, uh, there was a, that news reporter that was at pork fest hanging out with Aria. You're, uh, you remember her? I think she was from one of the Boston papers. Uh, yeah, I met her. Do you remember what paper she was from? I don't think, I, I feel like it was the globe, but I, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know either, but she was from like a very popular big yeah. Boston paper. I haven't seen the story published yet, so I don't know. And, uh, she interviewed me quite a bit, uh, which was cool. Uh, but yeah, it was a great time. Uh, one dad told me uh, that all the kids, uh, leveled up their character in a game of life. Nice. And, and I told the guy, yeah, my dad used to say that was called manning up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, thank, thank you, Jay, for the, the kind note there. And we, we have nine children and we still have our 16 year old son at home. And we were just thinking about the logistics of getting back there. And I know he would have loved man camp and we do live in a ranch environment here. We do have a ranch and do, you know, dan- do ranch work, you know, uh, type things, working on the well and the fences and cutting firewood and, mm-hmm. and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, we we were trying to make it happen, figure out a way to get to Fork Fest and Pork Fest, and it just, it didn't work out. But I'm I'm glad that you had a successful man camp, and I loved your description of the coat hooks and just letting the kids get a drill and get a hammer and just, you know, things that maybe I take for granted or you take for granted, but you think a lot of city kids, a lot of modern kids just kind of glued to their devices. Mm-hmm. They don't get to experience that, just like getting a, getting a uh, you know battery powered drill and just screwing uh, nails into a log or something like that so i, I appreciate you doing that yeah I, I i actually we have a stump that i'm letting my kids uh screw uh screws into and nails into that's just going to get dug up someday and <laughs> it's just kind of a you know a tree that was cut a few years ago the stump's not really rotted yet and and it's like hey you guys want to do this go for it you know mm-hmm. and it's just good practice and uh so <clears throat> you know i am planning on spending a little bit of time in arizona this year um, and, uh, you know, we do a little bit of, um, so my, 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 where I'll be is in Oro Valley. My mom lives there. Not, it's not too, t- too terribly far from where you are. And I'd be happy to come to your ranch. And I'm sure if we did a little bit of, um, outreach, we could find someone who would let us borrow a forge and all kinds of blacksmithing equipment. And, you know, especially if it's like some old guy who would just love this or any of these guys love to see kids work this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, yeah. I, I suggest this to them and they're like, oh yeah, we can do that. And and, you know, part of what I want to do with this, you know, man camp thing is like everybody who's got a trade, you know, should, you know, should do this. Uh, for example, I had a neighbor that was um, when I was uh, like from the time I was, I, don't know, I guess, in like fifth grade to like a senior in high school. Uh, this guy lived across the street from my house. Uh, he was really into muscle cars. He always had like two or three muscle cars he was working on and he was rebuilding engines and transmissions. And uh, me and a handful of kids, just he used used to let us just hang out there and help and watch and like that really like uh you know got my um my interest in like just mechanics and stuff but the guys like that who are just working on their you know their hobby you know he, this guy worked in a factory and his his hobby was you know muscle cars and you know every night till you know 10 11 o'clock at night during the summertime and on the weekends there'd be three four kids over there just hanging out with teenagers and he was happy that we were we were there hanging out in his shop, having an interest in what he was doing, and we weren't out causing trouble or you know drinking or whatever. And um, so, so anybody could do this. Anybody who's into blacksmithing, anybody who's a mechanic, anybody who's like uh, a carpenter. I mean, even like a guy who's an electrician could 
you know, start teaching young kids about electricity with little mock setups or even like wiring Mm -hmm. up, you know, houses and, you know, just and, 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 you know, 200 years ago, every kid had so many competent skills. Like 200 years ago, every kid could harness a horse that was 12 years old, you know. My grandparents and my wife's grandparents all built their old house, their own houses, and and I know old guys like you, not like you're not an old guy, <laughs> but I know old guys that have that have this attitude that if a young person has any spark of interest, they'll just take all the time in the world. They'll show them how to reload ammo or how to work on a car. Just like to take some some young person under their wing and help out. So you know, you we could we could come up with people like that. And some of the things you were saying reminded me back to when I went to high school. I went to public school, and I had a history teacher that said he knew I lived on a ranch, and I milked cows every day, and we butchered cows. He said, could you come butcher a chicken in front of this class? Hmm. Because these kids, they go eat their, you know, fried chicken from Kentucky Fried, and they don't know where this comes from. And my dad is, uh, well, he's passed away now, but he's a lawyer besides being a rancher, and he's like, you know what? One of these touchy-feely parents would wind up suing us and saying that you gave their child trauma trauma if you cut the head off the chicken and they're running around the classroom spurting blood all over the place. He <laughs> said, no, I don't think you should do this. But the, the teacher had that right idea, teaching mm-hmm. the kids how to, how to face the reality of life. You're going to McDonald's, you're eating a cheeseburger, you're eating fried chicken, but you don't know where the stuff comes from. He wanted them to have a wake-up call, but I think the public school environment wasn't the right way where you have a bunch of kids held captive that are probably city kids and they got their moms and dads that would be all ready to sue me and my family and the school board for traumatizing their their kid yeah i just give them to sign a waiver yeah there there is definitely a lot of um so many people like so there's there's a dairy farm that we go to uh about an hour away and i've got some pictures of cypress actually helping milk a cow and these people, they're in um, Charlestown, uh, New Hampshire. They're a really good family. They're, you know, there's like, you know, grandma's in her 70s. You know, the mom's about my age uh, in her 40s. And, you know, mom's got two or three sisters. And they have like a dozen of their own, you know, nieces, nephews, kids there. They're from, you know, two years old to 20 years old. And they're all doing the stuff around there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, you guys should like really, I tell them, you know, the, what I'm doing with like the man camp and the homeschool co-op. And uh, so the next time I go there, they're like, oh, I talked to my insurance agent about having kids come over and like, you know, doing farm chores and, you know, just like, you know, scraping up the calf pens where the calves mm-hmm. were, you know, all this work that you have to do on a farm. And I told and, them no. And any insurance agent is like, well, we're going to have to write like a special rider. And oh, they're like, God. well, she's like, well, what, what do you think it would cost? Uh, you know, and they're like, oh, this is probably going to be like, you know, is this like a school thing or something? And they're like, well, we don't know what it's going to cost, but, you know. I can imagine it'd be like, you know, $10,000 a year to like have this kind of like liability insurance Damn. to, yeah. you know, let, let yeah. some kids. So it, it really spooks a lot of people. You sure. know, I could lose my farm, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and things like that. And, um, so they didn't do it, right? Well, they're, the they're just, they're very afraid. I mean, yeah. and, and like, they can have their family members work out there. No problem. But bringing somebody who's not in the family, that's the problem. Right. right? And, well, and I, I have for, I, I have relatives like that, too. We're a ranching family, and I have relatives that are scared to death of, you know, anyone coming over to ride a horse. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you got horses? Can we go ride a horse? But just knowing the potential liability of, you know, everybody is so, you know, litigious. crazy yep. or litigious, yeah, yep. that, you know. And then, you know, if you did come out here, Jay, and we could see if we could scrounge up Ernie Hancock, too, if he's not, like, 
far away somewhere driving around in a bus somewhere. But, um, you know, and, you know, he's 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 Arizona person. too. I was on his podcast back when it was called Freedoms Phoenix, and he's reached out me to me again and I haven't got back to him about doing his thing again but he, maybe we could scrounge him up too if he's back in Arizona sometime if yeah, you that'd be cool. if you come out here yeah, I, I plan on coming out there uh, for the winter. I, I actually have a guy who could uh, take care of my property possibly for up to six weeks, which is really awesome. Hmm. Uh, it, you know, I, there is a chance that we could go to uh, Anarchapulco also. Um, but uh, and and uh, as for Ernie, yeah, uh, Ernie would probably be very much down. He'd probably even want to run the love bus, you know, over to your place. And um, He's all about this stuff, and you know, Ernie actually uh, participated a bit in man camp this year. He was, you know, helping a that's cool helping a couple of kids make a project, and and Ernie's good at that. You know, he's a grandpa of over a dozen kids, and you know, he's just you know, he's a real hands on guy. He's handy, and Ernie would like you and I to do a podcast with him. Actually, is uh, what he told me about him oh, oh, yeah. at Porkfest. Yeah. That- That'd be cool. And, you know, I can't remember, Jay, when the Jackalope Freedom Festival is, what time of year that is. But, August. you know, I don't know if you've ever been to that. I've been meaning to go to that. That's in Arizona, kind of smaller. August? Pork fest, but I thought that was winter time. I thought that was winter time. No. So, so, pork, uh, so it's, it's where it is in Arizona. It's in Boca Meadows, which is about 9,400 uh, foot elevation, I think. So it's cold, cool. And, and it's during rain monsoon season. So basically you set up everything like it's going to rain. And I, and I mm-hmm. did go to, um, jackalope uh two times i went in 2015 i went in 2016 when i was living in colorado because it was only like a you know a day drive from colorado so it wasn't horrible it was 800 miles um but it's in what they call the um the rim and boca meadows if you look at um phoenix on the map uh boca is about 230 um if you look at it like a clock boca mm-hmm. is at about 230 boca meadows it's up um i can't remember huber overgard is near there but it's north and it's at high elevation so it's actually huh. very comfortable oh it's nice uh, okay. there very cool. Uh, yeah. I know, David, you'd wanted to talk about human trafficking as uh, as an issue. It's certainly something that comes up uh, a lot when it comes to border communities. It's uh, it's become this buzzword in political circles that I've even heard up here in New Hampshire. Like, for instance, when there's been a proposal to legalize or decriminalize prostitu- prostitution, the people who oppose it love to trot out this idea of human trafficking and they they seem to think that every woman or man who is engaged in prostitution these days is somehow a victim of these human these uh, dastardly human traffickers and of course the actual prostitutes come up and you know they they speak out not not the ones from new hampshire it's usually ones from surrounding states uh that uh, that will come up because obviously the ones in new hampshire don't want to reveal themselves because it's prohibited but uh, the, you know they, they have like sex work spokespeople that come in and they say no this is something that uh, you know while there are people who are victims of human trafficking not to say that doesn't exist the bulk of the people in prostitution they say are doing it on a voluntary basis they're choosing to because it is a lucrative business uh, they're not doing it at the the point of a gun or the threat of uh, their family being sliced up by some Russian mafia so you know what did you, what was it you wanted to say about that issue. Yeah, it's totally a bogus thing, and the uh, conservatives, especially conservative Christians, get mad when I when I bring this up. Uh, what has happened is conservatives are looking for something to get away from the label of racist when they when they want to build walls on the border and when they don't want Mexicans to come in or Guatemalans to come into the mm-hmm. U.S. to work. These are migrants that are coming in here to work. So they 
they need another explanation. So what they've come up with is this idea of human trafficking, human slavery, human smuggling, sex trafficking, child trafficking, to try to make it sound like they're concerned for human rights. That's mm-hmm. why they're opposed to Mexicans coming in. That's why we put Border Patrol in our church bulletins, pray for Border Patrol. They're like <laughs> the new Messiah, like the new Jesus. And, and all across the country, it's like this in these conservative Christian congregations. But it's just totally bogus. And mm-hmm. it's a thing that there's now grant money from Washington available, and both conservative and liberal groups have you know, fallen for this hook, hook line and thinker, you know, as if, oh, there's this thing, these groups that are enslaving people and dreaming and bringing them in and and bringing little girls and bringing little boys and bringing people in and bringing people in, forcing them to work, you know, to pick vegetables in the field. And it's actually the total opposite. You know, when you prohibit something, you, you then there's always free market solutions that pop up. So when they prohibit people from crossing the border, border there's these guides. Some people call them coyotes. Some mm-hmm. people call them mules. It's a free market cre- creation where you can pay somebody that knows the route and knows how to get you into the U.S. And as a matter of fact, there was a survey done last year of people who had used a guide. And of course, the, the people on the other side of this issue would call them a human smuggler and act like they're forcing people into slavery. Mm. But they used a guide. They paid somebody. There was a survey and they said 75% of them said they were very happy with the services provided by the guide, and 50% said they would recommend them to a relative. So (laughs) this is like a free market solution, but it's been totally demonized, and they had to find a way to demonize it that doesn't sound like you're a racist. But if I could, like, maybe paint a picture of do a little analogy, like, say, for example, you hear a story about, oh, there was a U-Haul truck, mm-hmm. and there was people that died in the back from yep. the heat. Yeah, you hear about those things. Suffocated to you know, they'll, they'll say things like this, these dastardly human smugglers. But, but what it's really like, um, let's say that there was some Jews in World War II living in an attic in Nazi Germany, hiding from the Gestapo. Um, and then let's say there was a family that was living in that house, shielding them. Mm-hmm. And then if you have the Nazis go through the neighborhood with a bullhorn saying, anybody who's helping to hide Jews, we're going to arrest you. And say they run off the family that was protecting these Jews and giving them food, passing food up into the attic. And let's say the Jews freeze to death up in the attic mm-hmm. because the people that were taking care of them, because they were made illegal by the government, the people taking care of them were run off or, you know, demonized or threatened with arrest. So, you know, those kind of things happen where there will be Border Patrol coming and raiding somebody or threatening to raid somebody or swarming in on a group. And then, you know, the people who were protecting these people and guiding them through the wilderness because they didn't know the way into the U.S. and providing them a safe house to stay in. Every now and then, those people are scared off because Border Patrol comes Mm -hmm. in and uh, they have lookouts and they see them coming in. And every now and then, they beat feet and they get out of the area, you know, because they're going to be thrown in jail for 15, 20 years. So 
you know, if I think I think that analogy would kind of make it clear that these people are providing a market service. They're not just evil people that are trying to victimize these people mm -hmm. that are coming into the country. They will charge them money and they will put themselves at risk. The guides will put themselves at risk, right. escorting a group into the U.S., providing transportation, um, hiding them in a vehicle in the trunk of a car or in the floorboards of a big truck or something. The, the more draconian the government gets, the greater links they have to go to to hide these people and to move them through remote inhospitable areas that are cold or hot. And, and well, so I just wanted to, I want to quibble with one yeah. thing here, uh, David, and that is you described yeah. it as a free market. And the reality is, is a black market, right? Like th these uh, yeah. services are only being provided because the border patrol exists, because the border restrictions exist. If, it, if you could just simply come here, then the coyotes the, or the guides or, you know, what, however bad or good they might be, they'd be out of a job for the most part, except for, you know, you hire somebody to drive you across just like anybody else uh, that doesn't have a car would, would do that. But here they have to yeah, be concealed. Exactly. It's kind of like the same analogy when you drive drugs underground or substances underground. Right. Then they'll say, oh, you may drink, you may use some drug that's been adulterated with something that has a contaminant in it, and you may get poisoned. Well, that's because you drove the market underground and they can't have labels. Right. They can't have reviews on Yelp or Amazon reviews or Angie's List or something where these people live on their reputation if you allow the market to come out in the open. But yeah, that's exactly right. Well, like, and your point is, is well taken that these yeah. uh, conservatives that are currently uh, talking about the human trafficking, they're doing the same thing with fentanyl right now. I've seen a lot of these right-wingers uh, that are advocating for the U.S. military to be used against the cartels, which would be the most insane escalation of the war on drugs, to, I think, to date. And uh, I'd love to hear you weigh in on that as well. But they're doing the same thing, where they're trying to pose as though they care about the drug addicts, that all of a sudden that these conservatives who have been locking up drug addicts and drug users for decades upon decades, we're talking about millions of our countrymen who have been thrown into uh, prison cells. And, of course, the, the liberals are doing it, too, the politicians. But right now it's the conservatives that are really the ones rattling the war sabers to, uh, to start attacking the, uh, the cartels down in Mexico, saying that fentanyl is an invasion into the United States and a quote-unquote attack against the people, as though all of a sudden these conservatives care about drug addicts. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And they try to conflate the idea, conflate the idea of migrants coming over to work, which in my area, that's what they're all doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very soft-spoken, family-oriented people. Most of them are Catholics, and they have good manners, and they're right. just very hard workers. They'll conflate that with the idea of, you know, drug smugglers to try to make them think all these dirty Mexicans are bringing in fountain fentanyl and poisoning all of us. But they use that same rhetoric, this human rights, like we're benevolent, we're going to save them. Look at the wars in the Middle East. They said the same thing. They described the American troops as liberators. Mm -hmm. We're going to go in there and they're going to embrace us. And they would love to take a picture of a guy all kitted out in all his camo and his Kevlar helmet, handing a piece of candy to some uh, some brown kid, you know, mm -hmm. and being like, look, you know, we're like liberators. They're welcoming us here. But in the meantime, they have the embargo on all the war imagery. You know, you can't show that in the American media. You can't show people being blown to smithereens by cluster bombs mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, by, by anything else. You can't 
show any of that because that shows the reality, but they're continually on the lookout for that type of imagery. They do that here too. The Border Patrol Union runs the Border Patrol. They have a union. You may think the unions went away in the federal government with Reagan's mm-hmm. thing with the uh, with the FAA, you know, air traffic controllers. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Border Patrol is run by a union, and they do a bunch of press releases, and they're always doing these things like, look, a Border Patrol agent rescued this lost dog, and they'll mm-hmm. put, like, I'll take a bunch of pictures and put it up on the website. Like, they're these benevolent crusaders that are out there trying to help people. But, yeah, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah. You know, they're not out there, you know, human rights advocates. Not at all. In fact, uh, I am curious, as a border sheriff, somebody who's down there in the midst of all of whatever's going on in any given day, uh, if the U.S. military were to be utilized for attacking the uh, the drug dealers or the uh, the cartels down in Mexico, how do you think that would change the danger to the average American from the drug cartels? Because my understanding is right now they're kind of left alone, right? Like the cartels usually only target other cartel people, don't they? Yeah, yeah. For example, like look at when DEA had heavy involvement in Mexico, and they still have involvement in Mexico and Latin American countries, and I've done that too in my past. When there was the more presence of, of DEA down there, uh, the the drug dealers would start kidnapping random gringos, you know, mm-hmm. like they kidnapped mich- missionaries, and they would incarcerate them in a house, they beat them up, they kill them, and it puts regular Americans more at danger, um, just the more suspicion that you're here to kill us or end our way of life. David Hathaway, he's an author, he's a sheriff, uh, wrote a great book about immigration. You can check that out on Amazon, highly recommend it. Uh, David, thanks for checking in with us here tonight. Really appreciate hearing from you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Anthony. Yep, he's down in uh, Santa Cruz County in Arizona. We're going to continue. Hour number two is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a foreword by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, I want to get back into what's going on with library, with the final court judgment having been issued in that particular case. Also, the initial ruling coming in for the Ripple case. I think that was today. Uh, we can get into that as well. Here tonight, it's Ian and Jay. And the number, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. I don't know, Jay, if you've heard these people talking about invading Mexico with the U.S. military and going after the cartels. A little bit, and I definitely have some commentary on that. So when I was in Colorado, I worked with a whole bunch of guys that were you know, undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, uh, so I, I talk about this a lot. Like I really, really like that Spanish culture. I like that their priority is like their family. Uh, they, they really like their kids. They're proud of their kids. That's why they've come up here, right? So they can work and send yep. money back to their family. Uh, yeah. And yep. a, a lot of my raising families here and, you know, are, are, are going to stay here. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, those, those, uh, 
Mexican folks are, are if they're your neighbor, uh, um, they especially first generation ones, and they have kids. They're a huge asset to your community. It'd be it just as much of an asset as if you had Amish or Mennonite neighbors, um, and and they had kids yeah. because they're just they're, they're good the, people, they're reliable good people. They want to get along with everybody. They want to raise their kids. And and the example is is like a lot of the white guys I worked with in Colorado. Um, you were doing construction farm stuff, right? Uh, well, farming. We mm-hmm. were corporate, big, you know, large scale farming. Uh, the outfit I worked for, we mm-hmm. worked about three thousand acres. One of the dairies we worked for. You know, milked sixty two hundred cows, big you know corporate dairy. Anyways, um, the uh, so like a lot of the white guys, you know, a lot of them would be like, oh, you know, check out this this hoe that I found on Tinder. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, the, uh, and or they would be like, oh, I got to pay child support, or you know, I can't, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta deal with my kids this weekend. I can't, you know, work or whatever mm-hmm. or something. Um, but a lot of these guys' agenda was like going to the bar, picking up girls, you know, the rims that he got for his truck or, you know, the stupid, you know, paint job on, you know, the Harley Davidson motorcycle, the four wheelers, the jet yeah. ski, like th- that was what they were proud of. It's where like the, uh, the Mexican guys were like, Oh, look, look at this picture that my daughter drew me. My, mm-hmm. my wife sent me a picture of it today while I'm at work, you know, mm-hmm. on the phone. And uh, they'd show me like videos of their kids doing things like, like uh, Julio was one guy I worked with, a, with a lot. And uh, he had uh, three kids and I remember his, um, his oldest son was like eight and could run the skid steer like a pro, you know, a, a, a Bobcat skid steer machine. And he could like stack hay mm. with it. And he would like, you know, load the feed truck. Like the kid had, mad skills mm-hmm. uh because he was just following his dad around wanting to work with his dad um so like these guys uh like so one of the things that i learned from julio is julio would say to me he's like when you have a baby he says that that baby is going to want to be in is going to be interested in doing things and whenever that baby's interested in doing it just do it with them mm-hmm. because uh then they're going to love doing it so like you know um i i sent sheriff hathaway actually a, a video of my my son, who was 18 months old at the time, we were working on a chicken coop, uh, using the impact driver, dr- drilling screws in as we we're assembling a chip- chicken coop, you know, with the power tools. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding it, and he's just pulling the trigger and just, you know, having fun. And, um, but the thing is, is uh, the, uh, oh, so if you were going to start, uh, so the other thing too, Mexican culture really um, likes to cartel. Like all the Mexican people I met when I talked talked to them about the cartel, mm-hmm. They didn't have like a bad, you know, saying about the cartel. They they were like, oh, the cartel takes care of a lot of old people, and you know, the cartel helps people. You know, d- they had positive things sort of I've about the this, cartel. Yeah. And the thing was, was the cartel is just very serious if you're going to try to compete with them. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to try to deal drugs, or you're going to try to, you know, um, you're going to hear in- interfere from in their yeah. operation, or you know, take some of their whatever. Um, it's not going to go good. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, like if, um, you know, like uh, Julio would say, if my wife and kids were on the side of the road with a flat flat tire, you know, he would rather a couple of cartel guys stop and stop and help him out than Mm -hmm. a couple of police federales, federales, yeah, Mm -hmm. um, stop Mm -hmm. and help him out because you know the police were like very corrupt and a lot of these cartel guys, um, you know, they're just they're 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 a lot of them are family men. Now there are. You know, if you like um, with some of the child trafficking stuff that's going on, there's definitely some cartel dudes that are you know into bad stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, that, well, there's a segment of the population that's definitely into, you know, bad, evil things. Mm-hmm. Um, some but, of them probably work for the federales. 
uh, or they work, you know, they're, they're, they're working for the Biden administration, you know, mm-hmm. rounding up all kinds of kids. So, you know, the Clintons can get their you know, adrenochrome mm-hmm. uh, fix or, you know, whatever. But anyways, the uh, but if you were to start um, like if the government really wanted to create some major like domestic terrorism in the United States, like, you know, from people with, you know, within the United States of America, uh, they start, you know, um, bombing villages and places in um, Mexico. Mm-hmm. There are so many Mexican nationals here that would basically set this country on fire from inside. Um, and because, yeah, well, of course, they're going to do the same thing that they did in Afghanistan and right. Iraq, where they're going to say, oh, well, we thought it was a cartel target, yep. but it turned out it was just a wedding party or yep. it was just a hospital yep. or whatever. I mean, the, yep. the idea... That that's somehow not going to happen in Mexico is absolute fantasy. And you're uh, right. And I, I I believe that you know the people who want war in this country, all the people who are the war hawks, the neocons, mm-hmm. you know, all of Jeffrey Epstein's friends, they want massive distraction. They want you know uh, they want things going bad here. They would love to see actual real homegrown domestic terrorism. And I believe one of the ways that they would could attain that goal mm-hmm. is by doing Attacking a military operation and just murdering. All kinds of innocent people in Mexico, because right. um, you, you 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 take there's going to be blowback from that, and, and it, absolutely. And, and if you thought that nine eleven was blowback, and it was right, like the, if you thought that was enough, and that's really the only significant kind of terrorism that has happened outside of maybe the Boston Marathon bombing in the last twenty years in the United States. There's a whole ocean between here and there, right? right. Like there's a lot of space between the United States and the Middle East. But there's not so much space between Mexico and the United States. So it would be a whole new ball game as far as blowback is concerned. There would and, be nothing stopping whatever kind of blowback would come from the attack or the potential of an attack against the cartels. And, and I would uh, dare to suggest that probably 95% of the so-called undocumented, maybe even 99% uh, Mexicans that are here in America are very able-bodied. Mm-hmm. They are strong. They are willing, and um, you you kill their their grandma, mm-hmm. their cousins, um, whatever. Like like th- these people it's are on. so loyal to family, yeah. um, and and a lot of Americans would do the same thing, right? You know, if somebody, uh, yeah, if the Chinese government dive, you know, carpet yep. bombed their neighborhood and their whole family died while they were at work, they would have literally nothing else to live for, and they would then make yep. it their life uh, life's mission to attack back that the, car, the Chinese the, military. Whatever, the only right? way to solve this drug mm-hmm. issue is to, is, is to regulate drugs just like tomatoes. Yes. And yep. uh, and, and, the, and the other thing, too, is that we, we keep the uh, bad people. The, so we got people. So there are obviously people coming into this country from all over the world who just want to collect a, a welfare check. Those people exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people muling drugs. Those people exist. Um, but I've actually never really met any of those guys. All the, all the Mexicans I met were they were here to work hard. And man, I was glad they were here. And we need more of them. I think uh, those people are great. There's a lot of jobs that are still unfilled here in the United States. And like and and their culture is so good. I mean, like these guys, like you know, they didn't like hang out and look at devices and watch TV. You know, they were you know playing music. You know, um, like like yeah, in Julio's house, uh, you know, him and his wife and his kids, mm-hmm. they would play the guitar. One kid played the violin. Another kid played a played a banjo. Uh, a lot of times, they would have like just uh, you know friends and family over. They had mm-hmm. like little you know parties and get-togethers a lot, just in the yard on weekends. That's cool. You know, and, and like fellowship is just such a 
integrated part of their life. They all know each other. They're, and, and that's the other thing, too. You take on a culture and a community of people who work together, who know each other. Um, if they're forced to go in combat, um, th- th- j- just like when King George and the best army in the world came to the 13 colonies, mm-hmm. they fought a bunch of people who worked together and worshipped together and fellowshiped together and had similar cultural ideas and beliefs and goals in life. Yep. Um, that's why the greatest army in the world got they you fell. know destroyed. And the same thing would happen if you're going to do that. I think that even if we were to, and this is completely unrealistic to do this, but even if we were to, to grant that the U.S. military would somehow magically not bomb any wedding parties and not bomb any hospitals yeah. or somehow magically not kill any innocent, quote unquote, right. people. They only killed cartel members. They only killed the cartel members. They still would have a hell of yep. a fight on their hands. Mm-hmm. Because you're not dealing with cave-dwelling uh, individuals, right? You're talking about a highly uh, paid group of people yep. who have, I don't know how many billions of dollars in, in resources at their disposal, right? Like, these cartels are not dealing in, you know... Let's petty- remember, Eric Holder gave them, you know, ma- massive amounts of weapons years ago. Yeah. That, and that's all we know about. So they got all kinds of military hardware. Yeah, absolutely. And they would have gotten it however they would have gotten it because they have billions of dollars, yep. right? So, like, that's not a problem for them at all. These are not people slinging dime bags, okay? We're talking about big money um, dealers. And so if you remember, there was, I think it was last year, El Chapo's son, if I recall correctly, got snatched up down in Mexico. Do you remember hearing about this? Yep, I do. Um, Danny actually called the show from the crypto show and described what it was like as he was just trying to uh, go back home or wherever in Puerto Vallarta or wherever he was staying at the time. And he was like passing by burnout husks on the on the road of vehicles and trucks. And like it was a crazy situation down there. There was video coming out of cartel members firing at helicopters with, you know, tracers and automatic weapons. And like, you know, we were only seeing a fraction of what was actually going on down there. And that was just for them trying to break this guy out of prison, the the, uh, the son of El Chapo. That was how they responded to just trying to get one of their guys back. And imagine how they're going to respond to an actual assault by the U.S. military, an actual full-on uh, military attack. They will do whatever it takes to protect their business. And that will include targeting, likely, innocent Americans, which is what I expected David Hathaway was going to say when I asked him about it. How is it going to change how the the cartels treat the average person now, which is to say they leave them alone, which is one of the reasons why the people in Mexico that you've talked to, they they like the cartels. They're they're donating to you know uh, charities and things like that. They're they're not doing bad things to the average Mexican. It's only the competing cartels that are getting their attention in a in a negative way. But if the U.S. military comes uh, down there and starts bombing and shooting and droning and doing the things that they do, well, then not only is the U.S. military likely going to be targeted by the cartels, but I suspect innocent Americans will also be captured and horrible things uh, likely will be done to them, which is, again, what you were talking about, Jay, of here's their excuse now. Oh, here's now domestic terror on the part of the cartels. They're attacking us. And so that will just be another reason for them to escalate the war against the American people. So as a student of history, you know, um, if we look back to, uh, I believe it was called the New American Memorandum, that was a document I believe was uh, uh, written by Cheney, Dick Cheney, and this Mm. was like 98. And um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, Ricky might know about this, uh, but um, the uh, 
you know, the new American memorandum basically said something like America's military is weak. There's not a lot of morale for the military. We need a um, like a modern day uh, Pearl Harbor. Oh, uh, and, and then world and then 9 11 happened. Now, mm-hmm. you, you referred to it as blowback. I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced it was an inside job that was orchestrated by, you know, powers to be to, you know, in, you know just to sell a whole bunch of more sure. weapons to take freedom away. All these agenda and goals that the, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's friends all want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways, uh, after the Ukraine thing fizzles out because, you know, um, the rest of the world, uh, it, you know, the. <laughs> Every country but the Five I nations is just like not into this, hmm. you know, uh, and, and you know uh, of, of the world basically. But so you have like China, you know, Brazil, Russia. You got all the BRICS countries, and the, uh, you know, joining in their trade agreements with you know outside the U.S. dollar, and then you have all kinds of other nations adding on to these BRICS countries. Um, the uh, you know, so they're going to need something again. So we should be, you know, vigilant and 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 suspecting and watching out for some kind of nonsense like, you know, the military going to, um, you know, uh, start some chaos. Mm-hmm. The U.S. military going to start some chaos in Mexico just to stir up, you know, all of these, you know, peaceful worker bees that are here that are now going to turn into irate, you know, soldiers in, you know, overnight. Well, the um, good news about that is, from what I understand, when they were approached about it, the Pentagon said they they would prefer not to uh, well, start good. something in Mexico because they know it's probably a really bad idea. But but these people, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's friends, you know, I'm just going to refer to them mm-hmm. as, you know, the 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 people who, who own Raytheon and all that stuff, and yeah. all their congressmen and their all their government critters that they finance. Uh, those guys want. Uh, you know, this country to burn, you know, all the people, they would love to see a summer of 2020 times a hundred or, or times a million. And, uh, you know, uh, so I, I, I believe that, that the fact that they're talking about their sable rattling, you know, let's go after um, Mexico, let's go after these cartels um, is uh, because they want to blow back. See the, mm-hmm. this, the FBI now has to go, you know, recruit a whole bunch of people you know, to like with the uh, Whitmer thing, for example, you know, yeah, they have to, they have to fake the yeah. attacks. They and, have to fake the terrorists. And, and and so we all know that there's like a handful of people, you know, everybody knows a handful of people who could be convinced to do anything, who could be told to do anything. Mm-hmm. These like low esteem, you know, weak, right. you know, um, like the uh, cops. It, uh, well, I'm thinking like low esteem, weak, like poser men that are, yeah, no, I, get what you're saying. Um, I, I forget what they call them. Uh, that like, uh, uh, what's the term for like the guys that like, like don't get laid um, oh incels so, yeah like you know you, so, so there's like a lot of those mm-hmm. out there right and um involuntary and, celibate is yeah, what it stands and for. and so we now we have a whole bunch of you know, like aging you know men mm-hmm. that don't have kids you know women aren't interested in them or they're not right. even interested in them you like the you know the, the the virgins are the oldest they've ever been in america i guess uh you know for you know for surprise men. me you know mm-hmm. you got you know five uh, percent of the men according to the metadata on the um dating apps are you know are screwing you know 85% of the women, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in those dating apps and they can just kind of have their way with them because they're, you know, at the top of the, you know, dating chain. And so we got to like this whole, you know, element of culture that is ripe to be, you know, twisted, turned, convinced, influenced, incentivized. And, you know, a lot of these people are so, you know, um, 
dumbed down, especially the ones that have been raised on internet devices their whole life, that now they're not even interested in women because they're more interested in what the, uh, you know, the algorithm has for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm which, sure... Which plays right into the World Economic Forum, by the way, that uh, the second-in-command guy, the Yuval Harari yep. guy, he's gone on interviews saying that, you know, we don't need the, all these people. Well, what do right. we do What do we do with them? Well, we got video games and drugs for, yep. you know, to keep them busy. I want to go to the phones here. Uh, we got Chuck on the line in Washington. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> talking about invading Mexico. One of uh, former President Trump's uh, talking points now is to send the United States Navy to, I guess, the Gulf of Mexico or off the shore of the Pacific Ocean and send in uh, military to uh, combat the um, uh, cartels. But at the Insane. same time, he uh, he. Uh, he says that he loves the Mexican president, the Mexican people, and all of this stuff. And he reminds everybody that he's the only president that's never caused a war, all mm-hmm. these things, while sending people to Syria. So if this guy gets reelected, he's going to have a uh, obligation to follow through with that. Well, Thank no, he won't. I mean, that's the, that's the one good thing. Uh, that we can count on here is that politicians are liars and they will say all kinds of things to get elected that they won't actually follow through on. I mean, remember, Trump promised a lot of things the first time around and did not follow through on those things. And that is what every presidential candidate does. They make all kinds of wild promises and then in, they finally get elected and none of those things come true. And they all have a bunch of excuses and reasons for it, but that's just the reality of it. So that's the good news we have here is even if Trump does get elected and he has talked about going into Mexico with uh, the military, he also talked about building a wall and he talked about doing a bunch of other things that he, he didn't do. So likely what will happen is the Pentagon will tell him, Mr. Trump, this is a really bad idea. And then he'll say, well, my advisors have said we shouldn't do this. And that'll be the end of the, the story. Yes. Hopefully. Sending the Navy to the uh, the coast of Mexico sounds like that's really ripe for a Gulf of Tonkin kind of, um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, operation. Gulf of Tonkin is where the U.S. put a uh, U.S. military Navy put it, one of their ships, a destroyer or something in the Gulf of Tonkin. And then um, then the U.S. blew this shit up, ship up. And uh, it was uh, blamed. This was what started uh, Vietnam. Correct? Right. And it was bl- bl- blamed on, the you know, the Vietnam, co- mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever people so like uh you know and i just you know that's like a that's a that's a thing that was declassified that's like a true thing that happened very you know few people you know all the pro-war people say oh that doesn't happen but the thing is is um and the uh, the u.s government is going to need a new boogeyman real soon as soon as this ukraine thing is done and the fact that there are politicians talking about doing this um is very scary it's scary there's no doubt about it chuck anything else you want to share do we lose you? Chuck going once. Chuck going twice. I guess he's gone. Uh, let's continue here. We got Ricky in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Brother Jay. Good evening. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I'm hopeful I get to my topic, but maybe if I do, I don't know. But now that Jay brought it up, I think I am going to comment on this. Yeah, Jay, you're correct. Ukraine's definitely fizzling out. That ain't happening. As far as Mexico, yeah, that's the obvious choice. Be all and end all. Screw big pharma. They knew exactly what they were doing when they created fentanyl. They knew exactly what it would do. And you know what? Here we are with Mexico. It's a given. But here's how I look at this. Because of BRICS, you got NATO, uh, you got the G7, you got all the alliances and all these things all locked up. It's really hard to create a good war now. But here's the one I'm looking at. The scariest one. We've been playing with it. 
We've been brewing with it. We've been sticking our nose in. and uh, The and what one? Israel, between Israelis and the Palestinians. One of these days, that's going to be the big one. That's going to be the big one that we're going to do, and we're being real careful how we're pl- going to play it, I promise you. That's going to be the big one one day. Well, I hope you're wrong about that. Um, Obviously, the U.S. government has already been sending, I I don't know how many billions of dollars to the Israeli government. So they are still, they're still meddling in that situation in the same way that they're, or in a similar way that they're doing with Ukraine. 25 years ago, they were sending them like $15 billion a year. It's crazy. And Israel's like the was the like the sixth or seventh largest economy in the world or something like that. Yeah, they'd be uh, fine without Yeah, uh, they definitely. probably wouldn't be quite the largest economy in the world without the fifteen billion dollars in, you know, donations that but were got- Yeah, and this is one of those things that and thank you, Ricky, for the call tonight. This is one of those uh things that both the Republicans and the Democrats agree on. They love to fund the Israeli government and and just to be clear, they're not supporting the Israeli people. They're right. supporting the Israeli government in their violent acts against the Palestinian people. That's what's going on there. In the same way that uh, Republicans and Democrats also cheer on this Ukraine situation. You've got uh, Biden saying that the U.S. is going to be with Ukraine till the very end of this whole situation and talking about how we're all about supporting liberty and freedom, as though the Ukrainian people have any semblance of liberty and freedom. And let's not forget, foreign aid is the stealing money from the poor people of a rich country and giving it to the rich people of a poorer country. That's, That's exactly right. Giving it to the government people in those poorer countries. It never makes it to the the little guys there. Uh, there's more coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Talk live. You can join the show, and you can bring up whatever you want. By the way, I do want to say thanks to Joseph Scholl, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program, and he is silver level, which means Joseph is contributing five bucks a month to our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way to get behind what we do here on Free Talk Live, which has changed a little bit this week. We haven't talked about that yet. I do want to address the changes we've made this week uh, to our programming, and that'll be coming up a little bit later. Uh, it's Ian and uh, Jay here tonight, but if you want to join Joseph Schull and help us support Free Talk Live, help the show get on more great radio stations around the country. We've got about 170 stations that air the show at various different times throughout a week, and we can have more. It is possible. It just takes some, uh, some time, some effort, and a little bit of money, and so we appreciate the support over at amps.freetalklive.com. That takes you to our Patreon page. You can sign up for as little as $5 per month, and that is uh, what Joseph is doing, so we definitely appreciate the help with that. You get some perks. You get some benefits, uh, like access to the AMP-only podcast, which is the full radio show episodes but without any of the recorded commercials that you might normally get if you were just downloading our regular podcast so once again that's amps.freetalklive.com let's go to the phones here skeeter is on the line in california go ahead skeeter yeah hey i just wanted to uh uh, say it again first i'm a true capitalist and uh uh which i don't think you guys are and uh, whatever that means dude yeah, because uh, capitalism essentially, you know, hasn't existed like on a on a mega level since the inception inception of the Federal Reserve Bank, as far as I'm concerned. Because capitalism would be, for example, a couple of people who have money that they've earned or inherited, maybe, or you know, got some money, 
and they pool it to like because they have an idea and they want to grow their money and do something good to where like the examples that the left likes to use of capitalism aren't really capitalism. They're so, corporatist usually. Yeah, they're all just they're all just, you know, s- s- sucking on the nipple of the Federal Reserve, you know, BlackRock and big banks, you know, all the big banks, all the big corporations, corporations uh, yeah. military, industrial com- complex, pharmaceutical, just everything. Corporate ag. Uh, none of that is capitalism. Yeah. If any of those guys are borrowing money from a bank and the bank's getting the money due to out of thin air of fractional reserve banking, it's no longer capitalism. It's crony socialism. Yeah, personally, I don't use the term capitalist to describe myself. I'm a free market or free marketeer or whatever you want to call it, free marketer. I believe in free markets, and I think that in free markets, people can try different organizing methods. So if you want to have yourself a commune, go right ahead. Have yourself a commune and see how that works out for you. You want to have an employee-owned business or you want to you know, have a, a dictatorship of your own business? I don't care. As long as it's voluntary, uh, then it's fine with me. So that's my viewpoint. Go ahead, Skeeter. That's the difference between our philosophies. Uh, we disagree on what the market will do. I don't think the market will preclude uh, aggressive strategies in its, uh, when it uh, functions correctly. So, okay, so let me get back to the drug war, right? Uh, we can debate that another time. So you agree uh, that the market to... is not fun- functioning correctly now, right? What's that? Yes, it, I, uh, in my, I hold a, now I change my perspective that I think government is a, a, a market experiment. It's part of the market. It's just a, fa- it's going to be a failed market experiment and we need to evolve out of it, right? I don't disagree with you. It's one of the first things that I think we might have agreed on, uh, Skeeter, that people need to evolve out of the desire for this government as we know it, which, of course, as we know, are just goons and tyrants, despots and parasites. Uh, We definitely need to evolve out of that into something that actually respects human rights. Uh, That's what I would say about it. But anyway, what about the war on drugs? Yeah, we uh, we agree on a lot of things. It's just I call in on the disagreements, and you tend to like not listen to anything I say because you think I'm totally against a lot of your positions. But okay, so getting back to the drug war. Um, so again, I'm I'm a evolutionary utilitarian who uh, utilizes true market strategies. I believe that does not preclude aggression, right? So I'm, I call in to criticize uh, the libertarian non-aggression strategy of drug law repeal as it uh, brings about unwanted, unintended consequences for people trying to get rid of government, since it strengthens the very weakness and brings about, the, uh, that actually brings about the collapse of most governments, namely the fact that they tend to collapse fiscally and not through repeal. By repealing Okay, you've lost me already. What? I, I'm following them here. Okay. Can you, can you okay. rephrase that, maybe? Uh, which part? Uh, I was reading, actually. Oh, you're reading again. Well, I, I wish you would just actually, like, tell us what you believe or what you have actually learned. I can paraphrase it if you need to. It's just, uh... Yeah, what are you, you trying know, to say about the war on drugs specifically? What would you like to see done? So, I think you, uh... Oh, man, I'm almost done. <laughs> okay, so let me just finish reading. By repealing drug laws and legalizing drugs, you increase their tax revenue and decrease their spending fighting these unprofitable wars and therefore extend the life of the very entity you are trying to eliminate. That, that's it. Okay. So, that's- so uh, you're saying that uh, if we suspend the drug laws, we increase the tax, which gives more, uh, more um, revenue to government, correct? And uh, also decrease their spending. And, and the how does side. that decrease their spending if they're getting more revenue? 
You, so you know how much the drug war costs, right? Fighting the drug war. Yeah, over the years, it's been probably yep. trillions of dollars. But they would yeah. just spend that money elsewhere. And then if you're saying they're getting more revenue, then wouldn't they? That would be increasing their spending because they would be getting more revenue. I think that's a fallacy. What you just said. Like, uh, why would that so, be a fallacy? I mean, that's I, how they do. If they get more money, they spend more money. I mean, that seems pretty basic to me. Yeah. The problem is their budget is not unlimited, right? They they have to justify. So the problem right now, currently, is that the public believes they are getting more than they pay for in terms of tax revenue, and this is true. I think at this very moment, before the you public get, you're saying people believe they're getting more than what they pay for with government? I don't know anyone who believes that. Uh, I do. Yeah, U.S. citizens. US there are citizens. some most people. All, in fact, most of the status believe that. They get, they, they're comfortable with their lives. They're happy with what government provides given what they pay in taxes. It's, mm-hmm. it's because one thing, they don't take into account the debt they're accumulating, right? Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is where the evolutionary uh, strategy of accelerating government okay well let's focus real quick here on uh on what you were saying about the war on drugs so are you saying that you believe that people would be better off you as a utilitarian as you've described yourself uh which is to say somebody who believes that uh the whatever anything can be done as long as you think it will be the best outcome for most people or whatever it is that you value um, are you saying that uh, people would be better off in your mind if marijuana had never been legalized in the dozen or however many states, 20, 20 states where it's been legalized? It's because the profit is back and loaded. When, when, you've, you, when you've collapsed the government and you start actually uh, profiting from the, uh, what you call the free market, which I just call the market, then you, since you get to that point faster, you start to see the it's opportunity cost. So okay, but you didn't answer my question. I asked you if you think people would be better off if the uh, marijuana had never been legalized in the states that have legalized it. Yes, because it's back end loaded. Again, I, I answered that. I don't think you listen. Because it's back-end loaded. Back-end loaded, as in, so now it's, like, decriminalized and it's taxed. And so, mm-hmm. like, Massachusetts is, like, a 20-something percent tax on, you know, right. uh, cannabis purchases. And um, and then, uh, so what's happening is the state's getting all this more money yeah. is, 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 is what he is talking about. And he's seeing that as a problem. And mm-hmm. I don't like that there's so much regulation involved. I, I, like, I, like I said earlier in the show... You know, all these drugs, every yeah. single one of them, uh, I'm going to say fentanyl and opiates included, cocaine, all that stuff, um, should be regulated like tomatoes. You know, there's no tax on tomatoes, and mm-hmm. you don't have to report on your on, on tomatoes you grow or you harvest or you sell or you trade or any of that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the bigger problem here, uh, and, and Skeeter, maybe uh, you, you know a little bit about, uh, about this, is uh, best I can tell, uh, and I've talked with a bunch of uh, firefighters and EMTs about this thing, you know, for past year and a half um the uh you know the most of the uh you know recreational users of fentanyl and opiates which is like the biggest problem right now according to you know everyone uh are people who are on welfare mm-hmm. and that's really the bottom line and 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 i, and I, I can't uh say this enough but like if uh, you see an emt uh you know an em uh em- emergency medical technician like a guy rides around in the ambulance you know they're at fire fire departments all over the country uh they're usually pretty friendly but if you just ask them say hey um 
How many people that overdose or that you give uh, Narcan to or that you, know, you, you you pick up their bodies off the uh, you know ground that are dead, that you're putting them in a body bag because of an overdose, uh, have an EBT card in their pocket? Mm. And the answer that I've gotten is all of them. A lot of them, yeah. So it's, so the Health and Human Services, the federal government, all state governments that, have, that, are, that are giving money to all of these people, um, that uh, now they can just comfortably you know get high. And they can, um, you know, just they get the money from the state. They're getting fed from the state. It's, it's, you know, it's uh, basically, you know, what the government wants. They want a whole segment of the population like this because it's like, look, look what's going on. Give us more money. And then um, <clears throat> and so Health and Human Services is literally murdering people by giving them money to maintain their drug habit. And then all, all, all of these fentanyl and opiates that are, you know, the people who are buying with their, you know, EBT card money and their food stamps and, or, or their, uh, whatever, like some of these guys get like just cash, you know, from there, they can just take out. So just to clarify what Skeeter's saying though, you're saying you want all this to continue. You want to continue the war on drugs as is, or maybe even escalate it because you believe that will result in the failure of the state sooner rather than later. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So you don't care one iota for the people's lives who are suffering, the people, well, the million plus, millions of Americans who've been arrested and put into prison cells over possession of drugs or the sales of drugs or the smuggling of drugs. You don't care one bit about them. To you, those people are a stepping stone towards ending what you believe, ending the state sooner, even though after 50 years of this war on drugs going in its current form, that has done absolutely nothing to end the state. You think that it's somehow helping end the state and all those people deserve what happened to them? No, I do. Uh, So I take them into account. But what you do is you don't consider the people I save once we get rid of government faster. So And, 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 and more importantly, we eliminate once it collapses, we show the people by punishing them, by invest, by loaning government money. We show them that they've totally wasted like all their all their investment. Well, I guess it's a good for- thing that you're out in California, Skeeter. And uh, thank you for the call tonight. I mean, it's a good place for somebody who wants to accelerate. He's an accelerationist, right? The idea of, hey, let's just let the government get worse. That way it will fall in upon itself and fail sooner rather than later. California is certainly one of the biggest governments in as far as the state governments go. And so, you know, if, if there's going to be a government failure like that, then maybe it'll happen there before it happens somewhere else. What do you think about that whole uh, idea, Jay, the idea of this accelerationism of let's just vote for the worst guy and make the worst thing happen sooner rather than later? Well, um, there's something else I'd like to comment on also about, like, you know, let's look at the last 50 years of, you know, the drug war, but first on accelerationism. uh, So in 2016, when I was in Colorado, there was this group called Anarchists for Hillary. Hmm. And they wanted their ideas like, let's get Hillary Clinton in because she's the worst, most evil, worst, you know, diabolical, you know, individual that's out there, mm-hmm. you know, running for president. So the system will, so it'll all collapse hard and fast. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to see it collapse, get to the point to where, you know, there is no longer a platform for psychopaths that we, you know, call government. Because that's basically all it is. The, the, most of the people who go into government, um, you know, are, are go there for bad intentions, I believe. Now, there are, like, a lot of people in government, like, they're really, their intentions aren't bad, you know, aren't bad, or they couldn't even be bad. Like, you know, the mailman, you know, the guy plowing mm-hmm. the road. Uh, there's actually a lot of good cops out there, I believe, 
because uh, like I've said before, 90% of my police interactions have been positive. And I've had a lot of police interactions that were negative, mm. but I've had many, many, many positive ones. Uh, but anyways, it, and, and the thing is, too, is like what Skeeter is talking about how, you know, the war, continuing the war on drugs will collapse the government. Um, Smedley, Bet- Smedley Butler is quoted for saying the Marine. Uh, yeah, uh, and he was like a World War One guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of his quotes is, and I could be a little wrong on this, but it was something like, uh, "War is the lifeblood of the state." Is uh, something that he, he's quoted as saying. Mm. And so, the last fifty years of the drug war, what, what has that done? Has that um, diminish the state or increase the state? It's increased it, obviously. And, and also, if you want to talk about the sales tax on, say, legal cannabis, for example, mm-hmm. versus the amount of money the criminal justice system is collecting from cannabis being illegal. Mm-hmm. So in Massachusetts, for example, tw- you know, 20 years ago, when you got caught with a, the wrong species of salad in your pocket, right. you, know, you, you, you spent $5,000 on a lawyer. Well, plus you, the fines to the courts. Well, all this right? stuff. So there's yeah. the fines for the courts. Here it and was then, $420 for, for a while in New Hampshire. That was literally the fine for possession of marijuana. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that didn't happen by accident. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that was probably somebody, you know, you know, somebody uh, who made that number up was probably, you know, burning a burning a joint <laughs> while he was yeah. doing it. Yeah, good uh, chance. You know, so anyways, the, but if you look at, uh, what happens when you get charged with a crime? For example, mm-hmm. possession of marijuana in uh, you know anywhere twenty years ago, for example, probably still in New Hampshire, uh, is what what's happened is a bond is created in what's called the court registry investment system, and in that court registry investment system, they create these bonds. This is something I'm learning a little bit about. Uh, and they, is there any evidence for this? Because it's an interesting theory. Uh, I, I want you to keep explaining it, but is there actually any real evidence for this? Yes. Okay. There is some real evidence for it. Uh, how to present it, I'm not sure mm-hmm. yet, but there definitely is. Okay. So what happens when they create this? bond? So they create this bond, and these bonds are like traded on. It's based on the charges in the case. Yes, but well, uh-huh. it's not really based on the charges in the case, but basically based on a money value. It doesn't really matter what the charge is. There's all kinds of. You know, almost all these charges that are created under this have no victim, you know, in, no injured party, no contract violation. Um, but uh, but anyways, they uh, and they trade like, you know, daily on these, you know, some kind of uh, stock exchange out of the UK is, you know, allegedly what's going on. But these bonds yield tremendous amounts of dollars um, to the court system. The other thing that happens is everybody in the court system gets paid and they all get and they all uh, have uh, pension funds that are being funded whether or not the pension fund on its own makes any profit like I believe in Manchester New Hampshire the uh, public employees pension fund is one of these that's supposed to create uh, increase by eight points or eight percent every year mm-hmm. which is like really difficult except for when there's like a really you know good year in you know the stock Stocks. market or whatever yeah. but if it doesn't appreciate or increase uh, at all, then the taxpayers have to make up that 8%. So so what happens everywhere in America is the pensions are funded before infrastructure. That's why Mm -hmm. our infrastructure is so poor. Right. Uh, The bureaucrats got to get their pensions. Right. And the pensions are being run by, you know, all the other incompetent, you know, everywhere you look in government where there is like, you know, the government psychiatrist versus the free market psychiatrist Mm -hmm. or the government, you know, um, you know, mechanic versus, yep. you know, the, 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 the government guy gets yeah. more money. Well, the government guy gets more money, but generally the government people are, are, are lazy. 
Yeah. So the guy guy that's landscaping for the government can be very lazy because he gets paid no matter what. He gets a pension no matter what. Um, This culture builds. He has qualified immunity, the social workers, the whole not everyone. So uh, and and the way that all this money gets into these people's hands and into these pensions is most of it is a lot of it's through taxation and revenue collection on the government. But Mm -hmm. actually, most of it is really from just deficit spending creating more deficit, creating more money out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And every time the government loans money and gives grants, it's just money created out of thin air. Like, so Skeeter, there's a lot of um, financial issues with your flaw. Your, you, and, and I mean, with your, um, what did he call this? Um, acceleration? Your acceleration that he's talked about, there's a lot of flaws with it. There's a lot of issues with it. I don't think he understands fractional reserve banking, what power that gives these people, what power mm-hmm. it gives the government. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason that you can have the massive war we have. That's the only reason you can have $35 billion right. F-35s. Um, you know, twelve billion dollar whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. Fifty thousand dollar hammers. You know, hundred thousand dollar toilet seats. It's because of fractional reserve banking. And <clears throat> so, well, I think there's also a moral issue with it too. I mean, I personally would not want to vote for someone like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton with the expectation that this is going to make things worse. I could not. I mean, even though, even though you can argue, and I think there's a successful argument. Mark has made it many times that voting is at the federal level is relatively immaterial. It's right. not going to sure. make any real difference one way or another. But still, I don't want blood on my hands. Right. Okay, so I'm going to. If I'm going to participate in voting, and I don't mind doing it at the state level because in a lot of cases I'm voting for people that I actually know, a lot of free staters, a lot of actual principled libertarians, voluntarist types, you know, liberty-loving anarchists that actually can get elected here, I feel good about voting for yeah, those people. But uh, you know, at the national level, you're voting for evil. I mean, that's yep. what he's essentially saying is we need to continue evil, we need to increase the evil, and therefore it would seem like he would argue that people should participate in increasing the evil, but at the very least, the accelerationist could say, well, I'm just going to do nothing, right? Rather than rather than actively participate in increasing the evil by voting for it or funding it or advocating for more evil, they could the very less uh, step back and do absolutely nothing and still call themselves an accelerationist, I think, he, in that case. And, yeah, so, it, but his point is, if we just back up and look at the 50 years in our rearview mirror of the war on drugs, mm-hmm. it hasn't brought down the government no it hasn't made the people better Uh, more people had died from the war on drugs than the actual drugs if we look at like all of this drug drug stuff um the the the, uh you know there was you know less people using all these drugs when they were totally legal there were uh not as many i don't think uh serious addicts i mean there were there were still some addicts there were still very small percentage of the population but they were able to actually pay for their addictions right so like yep. you still had problems with addiction but you didn't have the theft and the uh oh, you know, right, breaking right. and enterings and well, the, the crimes that went, went along it, well, with so it. a lot of the reasons you didn't have the theft 100 years ago when heroin was illegal it was cheap because it, well, it was cheap and because every everybody in america was carrying a gun Mm-hmm. So, like, it was really hard to commit theft in New York City a hundred and some odd years ago because you could have a gun in New York City a hundred years ago, for example. You could have a gun in all these places. They didn't have all this gun prohibition yeah. stuff happening. Yeah, that's so, a factor nowadays, for sure. So, 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 like, America should be the safest place in the world for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Guns and cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason crime is down so low is because people can just make a cell phone call and report a crime. You couldn't do that 50 years ago. Um, and And then you start looking at places like New Hampshire versus... Uh, Baltimore or versus, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago, you, you, um, 
you know, uh, and, and one of the greatest examples here in New Hampshire is like, you know, downtown in Manchester, like Central Street and Manchester Street. You got like really bad neighborhood. I used to mow lawns down there like mm-hmm. five, six years ago. And there was always like, you know, uh, prostitutes coming up and, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, asking us questions. And there was always like sketchball, crackheads checking mm-hmm. out my truck, going to steal something. So me and Silver Dave started open carrying our, uh, our, our, our pistols. And it, the day we did that, like. People were as soon as they noticed we had our our, our pistols, um, they could see them. They just they went the other way. Went we didn't else. see them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of free staters started buying up houses in this neighborhood because mm-hmm. they're really cheap because it's a real crappy neighborhood, right? And that uh, so like in a, like seven or eight free staters buy these houses and you know within a couple hundred feet of each other. Yep, and, made a big difference. Huh? And there's like no more sketchballs walking around because <laughs> everybody going in and out of these houses is carrying guns. Yeah. And so one of the older prostitutes told us one day, "Oh, they all think you're cops uh, that are buying <laughs> that are in the neighborhood because they don't know, you know, yeah, and, sure. and they don't want anything to do with any cops. They don't want, any, but they don't want to do anything, anything." criminals they don't want to get shot do not want to <laughs> deal with people that are going to defend themselves no they don't and if you're open no. carrying you're probably going to defend yourself yep it's uh, a hard target right there because you if you're attacked as someone who is carrying you have to draw your weapon or otherwise mm-hmm. if you get beat up they take it from take you you're gun. probably dead right so you know so you know so the thing is uh there's just a whole bunch of reasons and you know a hundred years ago the government wasn't just giving people willy-nilly money mm-hmm. and wasn't giving them food right. and then you know and then places where you can just live really comfortably like california mm-hmm. year-round now you have these problems because all those people are on welfare yeah it's and- really frustrating to you know have somebody like skeeter uh just completely dismiss all of the victims of the war on drugs and use them as essentially his stepping stone to say well you know it's fine all he- these people that have been put into prison all these people that have been murdered all yep. these people that have that have lost their families their lives their freedoms over this war on drugs it's fine because someday it'll end and we just have to keep using them and and victimizing them it's like no if we can end that violence even if it does result in tax revenue to the state i still think this the people in those legal states are better off because they're not getting rounded up in mass and thrown in prison cells. Sure. It's and not to say that it's a good situation there because yeah. obviously you still, if you don't have the permission slip to grow the marijuana, they're still going to raid you and they're still going to throw you in a, in a jail cell. So I, I hope that New Hampshire can do things differently. Skeeter, I hope you're listening. Uh, you need to work on your uh, critical thinking skills. Uh, check out the uh, School Sucks podcast. Brett Von Eight is really good about that. And uh, his logic and reasoning, um, you know, abilities have uh, probably been diminished by internet devices and modern culture. So uh, just work on it. More coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. And we're kicking off the third hour of the program. Phones are open and you can join us here. Coming up, want to get into what's going on with Library and also the Ripple case. These are two very important cases with regard to the SEC continuing their attack against the cryptocurrency industry uh, in civil court. We'll talk about what happened coming up here. But with you tonight in studio, it's Ian and Jay. And also, I mentioned we should talk about the changes that have happened to Free Talk Live this week, and I think now's as good a time as any uh, to do that. On Monday, I made an announcement on our website at freetalklive.com, which you can go and read at your leisure. 
uh, about the Free Talk Live network of shows that we've started this week featuring Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock, who you mentioned earlier tonight, Jay. Uh, Ernie has been hosting Declare Your Independence for more than 18 years, I think, or yeah, somewhere I around I think 2005, years. I think, was uh, when he started that show. It used to actually be on the radio a long time ago. I think it was called Freedom's Phoenix or something. He called it something different. Back Declare then. Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. I don't know if that's what it was in when he was on the radio, because he used to produce a guy named Charles Goyette's oh, right. show. Maybe yep. it was just the Charles Goyette show. But anyway, Ernie's got some some radio background, Oh yeah, and uh, they were on, I think it was like Air America at one point before yeah, that's that right. went yes. down in flames. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, they've been around for a long time, and at some point he started his own show, Declare Your Independence, and that might have been 2005. So I'm not sure what the timetable is, but he's been around for, for a long time. His show's been around for a long time. It's been on the Liberty Radio Network, which is uh, our little internet network over at lrn.fm. It's been on there for more than a decade. I'm pretty sure he started around 2010 or 2011, something like that. Uh, and he's been doing shows every single day uh, during the week, for more than a decade and so his dedication to the craft of libertarian talk radio is i would say pretty much unmatched i mean this guy is he gets up at i don't know what time in the morning to start doing his show he used to start at 6 a.m yep. pacific time back when he did a live show he's been doing a podcast version of the show for the last couple of years and i think it's been a good change for him uh to get away from doing the live show but what uh what has happened is uh, he's taken over Monday nights here on Free Talk Live, and he's doing a uh, it is a recorded show, so he's not in not sitting in the studio live from uh, seven to ten Eastern time, which would be four to seven Pacific. Because again, he gets up early and he's producing his show early in the morning. I wouldn't want to ask him to stay up late just to do a live show, and you don't really need to. And uh, and part of the reasons why it doesn't need to be live is because honestly, the this show doesn't have the same call uh, volume that it used to. It doesn't have the same level of participation uh, that it used to. And prior to COVID happening, I'd actually been considering making a change to Free Talk Live on on weeknights. And then and then COVID happened, and it kind of like reinvigorated the show. I think for a while we did have different people calling in and and talking about that particular issue specifically what was going on and and that to me kept the show fresh and the reason i started doing free talk live and i created free talk live in 2002 was because i didn't feel like most talk shows really allowed for people to express whatever viewpoints that they had to express people calling in uh most talk show hosts would only allow you know, they would start an hour of their show with a specific topic, and then the only people who could call in were people that wanted to talk about that specific topic. And that was that was it. That was sort of like the standard talk radio format. And for me, that was uh, a kind of a disappointing experience as somebody who did have things to say, like, oh, well, this talk show host doesn't want to talk about your topic. It's not, you're not going to get to call, right? Like, you're not going to get to be yeah, heard. You got to get past a screener. Right. And most people didn't. Correct. And so I wanted something that would allow for anyone to participate and we did we created that that's what free talk live has been that's what it still is uh when we're here live in the studio but it's gotten stale honestly and i in the you know back in the day i said well i want to create the show that i would want to listen to and the recently in recent years it hasn't really been that because we get the same five callers every single night 
and and sometimes those people bring good topics to the table. I'm not going to down them and say that they're always terrible or anything like that, but it it gets repetitive. It's like uh, they say in the talk radio business that the callers are the songs of talk radio. So like in uh, you know, in music radio, they play songs and they usually play the same ones over and over again, <laughs> right? Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's what people want to hear, uh, believe it or not. And in talk radio, the callers, they say are the songs. Well, in our case, getting the same five people is kind of like getting the same song every single night. It gets a little bit tiresome. Now, of course, some people could say, well, why don't you just ban the regular callers? And that's, you know, that's, that's obviously an option. I would prefer not to. I would prefer to just have a larger variety of people calling the show, but that doesn't really happen. And we're on more stations in the last in the last decade. We've been on more stations than in the previous decade, but it doesn't seem to have increased the participation in the show, which is interesting. So another thing too with less callers is you know so our culture has gotten away from you know oral communication. It has, and that's got to be a factor. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of people like young I actually, people will not answer the phone. When I got to the hay business, I had like um, six or seven customers that were women mm-hmm. that I never, ever, ever heard their voice on the phone. They would text you. It was always a text. Mm-hmm. I would call them. I would leave them a voice message. What ages they, were these women? Uh, my age. So they were like mm-hmm. in their mid-30s. So, their 30s. so millennials, um, definitely, Yeah. So like, like Gen Gen X. Like, like, like uh, my, um, my generation is like a good split mm-hmm. because there's like a lot of people my age that's that are like, oh man, just call me. I don't want to text everybody all the time. Then there's yeah. a lot of people like, oh, I don't. They they don't do calls. And yeah. then you get more people who don't do calls. You know, right. that, the the younger they get and the older they get, there's more people that you know do the phone calls. Right. And if you listen to our our callers, they tend to be on the older side. Yep. You know? And and even like uh, with Skeeter, he he sounded kind of like younger. A, he's a younger mm-hmm. guy. So like th- like the thing he was expressing to us, he was having a hard time conveying. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, I could, you know, it was, that's probably a lot easier for him to copy and paste that and put it on like, you know, something bulletin board or well, whatever. Yeah, he was reading a book. Right, right, right. And, and um, so, so, and, and, and like when you're reading, you know, a line of a book, you know, it's out of context if you, to mm-hmm. whoever's, you know, hasn't read the lines, you know, before or the chapters before, is it, you know, so that's kind of hard to do. And, uh, but, but even just like, a, you know, our, our culture is getting away from, you know, face to face communication. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and even phone calls. Uh, I think we're worse off for yeah. it. And oh, I, yeah. I'm glad you went yeah. there because I think that's a really, imp- I think that is an absolute factor in what is going on. It's not to say that young people don't listen, right? Because obviously there's people that listen to podcasts. Podcasts yeah. are fairly big and, and they tend to be, I think, I think the demographics like, of podcast listeners are that more people that are younger are more likely to listen to Like uh, super podcasts. chats. Like all these podcasters have these mm-hmm. super chats. So you pay like five bucks. And it, or ten twenty bucks or whatever, and it comes to the top like the YouTuber yeah, guys. Yeah, the YouTube guys do that. And uh, so, you know, those super chat and you know chat comments and stuff are 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 are, are um, you know just flush with with commentary, mm-hmm. you know, and all this stuff. There's there, there's no shortage of you know that kind of listener interaction, and you know a lot of it's trolls and mm-hmm. spam and all kinds of stuff. But there, you know, there's a lot of people actually taking the time to get out and start you know typing out that you know that little message. Uh, but you know, it, when you, um, but that's the way like a lot of kids are just, that's the way a lot of young people's brains have been developed and formed is, you know, speaking, they have something to say. They you know, t- looking they someone it. in the eye and yeah. talking to them is, is not easy for them. It's mm-hmm. not comfortable for them. You know, it's, uh, just not, you know, not, not a thing that they like, or they're used to right. or, or, or any, and, and by the text message and not having, 
you know, and being able to ignore it or, you know, being able to just, uh, (laughs) another thing that's happening too, is you got people that like are keyboard warriors Mm -hmm. and, and every now and then one of them, like, you know, basically just says a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, 30 years ago, they would have got a beaten for. (laughs) And, 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 Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of these young kids now are growing up to where, um, you know, they're not getting into fights with their peers, uh, physical fights. Like I, I got in a lot of fights when I was a kid, my generation got in a lot of fights. My dad's generation got in a lot of fights and, you know, teenagers learn respect. They learn, you know, pecking order. They learn about each other. I mean, that's kind of the way, um, you know, just scrapping and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's not happening today until, and then some of these guys are just getting really bold and, and all of a sudden it goes, you know, they, they get into an argument or, you know, a fight with somebody in person. Uh, that we usually get into like with on the internet, and then all of a sudden somebody gets a really bad beating out of it uh, because they just don't have any you know respect for other people. You know, yeah. and, and the other thing too is you know 120 years ago in this country when everybody could carry a gun everywhere, um, everybody was polite, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you didn't want to you know yeah. you didn't want to upset someone to the point to where they're going to draw on you, <laughs> so you were yeah. polite. So uh, just to get back to what we've done here as a result, because, you know, I was pretty, pretty burned out and uh, am, I guess I should say I am pretty burned out on sort of the way things had been going uh, for Free Talk Live with very low participation from those who aren't the regulars. And I'm not going to get on the air and beg, you know, it's not that that's not what I'm going to do if, if we're not creating something that is attractive for people to participate in if people don't value uh the idea of being able to be heard on national radio which is the thing that we offer right like the average libertarian podcast doesn't offer that they don't have the ability they don't have radio stations that they're on at all they're just a podcast um and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing to be just a podcast there's plenty of uh, great things about doing podcasts for instance you can produce them whenever you want You don't have to be in a specific place at a specific time every single night, as we've been doing for 20 years on uh, this radio program. But the idea was that we would create this place, this platform, where anyone could call in and express themselves, no matter how crazy uh, the ideas might be, and we'd be able to respond to it. And like I said, it worked for a very, very long time, and for whatever reason, and maybe the reason you're bringing up here, Jay, is that the talk radio audience has is aging into old age and passing away, literally. I mean, that's what they're seeing with Fox News and MSNBC, for instance. Their audiences are literally dying off. And maybe the younger people coming up just don't have the habit of picking up a phone to express themselves. I bet that is an absolute factor here. Um, And so it's kind of gotten, the, the show's gotten kind of stale, I think, as a result of that. And now, you know, there's no better time than now, what with uh, Aria Demetso in a prison cell for somewhat of the next uh, 18 months and the potential for me possibly going to, uh, to prison. Hopefully not, but, you know, it could happen uh, with the, the Crypto 6 charges against me. Seems like a good time to try to do some restructuring here at Free Talk Live. So we're introducing the Free Talk Live network of shows and Declare Your Independence is going to be on uh, Monday nights. That started this week. Also, the guys from Good Morning Liberty, which is another daily podcast in the Liberty Movement. Again, there's not very many daily podcasts in the Liberty Movement. Uh, So these guys do a great one, and they've created a nighttime show they're going to do for us on Tuesday nights, which is called Liberty at Night. They also started this week. 
and we may be getting something from Mark Edge and his old boss from the comic book store, Henry. They've done some live shows here and there over the last couple of years from down in Florida, and they're going to do something hopefully on Friday night this week. So uh, we've got a, got another iron in the fire, but I don't want to announce who that might be. So I think it's I think it's an interesting approach. It is uh, wasn't actually my idea. It was actually Mark's idea to go in this direction and i think it was i think it was the right choice to make rather than just like shutting down weeknights completely and walking away from it and maybe just going internet only on occasion uh to give our radio access that we have from these dozens of great radio stations that we you know have earned over the years uh to give these other great libertarian content producers that access and that opportunity i think is the right thing to do and i appreciated tim calling in last night when the ladies were on uh, the show uh tim who is a regular caller he's he had nice things to say about the uh, the new shows that he listened to this week because obviously some people are you know they're a little upset right like they they like to listen to free talk live and uh they didn't hear us specifically on monday and tuesday nights uh, but I think that Ernie did a great show, and I think that the uh, the Liberty at Night guys did a great show. They're bringing different topics to the table. They're bringing you know a different, slightly different viewpoint. They're still libertarians, but they might not have the exact same views that you'll hear espoused on Free Talk Live. And of course, we'll continue doing Free Talk Live live shows whenever we can, and we may actually end up doing more shows uh, because now we've got we're more freed up with our schedule, uh, meaning that we could do like. Um, one of our freer talk live internet only shows now. So that is something that we almost never did before because we're doing seven nights a week, three hours a night. And it's like, that's enough in most cases. But now that we're not going to be on live on Monday and Tuesday, maybe we'll turn on the mics on a Tuesday night and, you know, talk for an hour or two hours instead of three or whatever. So we won't have to be as structured as, uh, as we were in the past. I think it'll be an interesting change. And so I just wanted to get that out there. You can go to freetalklive.com. You can read the blog post that I made about it. There's a, a page on the site under network info that has more information about the new shows uh, that we have. So you can learn more about them and the, the hosts that are involved in it. So anything to say about that, Jay? Uh, nope. Um, well, I mean, I, I hope it works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know I like coming here on Thursday nights, but I'd maybe come down here on a weekend or something. Uh, if you're just going to, you know, I don't know how how far you're going to go with this, if you're going to occupy all the weekday, you know, weekday nights or Yeah, whatever. I don't know uh, how it's going to end up either, but I think it's been a good start and we'll see how we'll see how it all pans out. We do actually have some calls on the line here, so let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. What's your name, caller? My name is Jared. Jared, you're on the air. All right. I'm going to give you some just a little bit of advice. The reason that people don't quite listen to you as much is because you you do tend to buy, be kind of facetious. Like the few times I've called in, it's kind of like, you know, no matter what I say, there's always some crashing argument against me instead of just letting me say what I want to say and then just leaving it at that. Does that make sense? So you don't like that we talk back and have a conversation? Oh, no, no. You I, can talk back, but it's just like you can't just constantly crash somebody whenever they have a point of view. I, I, I think I can. Um, what do you so, mean by crash, though? Uh, let me say this for a second. I, so, so sometimes, Ian, you're definitely like, you know, sort of hostile mm-hmm. towards like people like like Skeeter, for example. I, you know, I could, 
you know, so I, I, well, I, Skeeter's hostile, so I'm going to sure, treat him appropriately. Sure, but like in this particular call, he didn't yeah. really seem too hostile. No. He was just trying to bring a point across. But you definitely, you know, got mm-hmm. in like that uh, sort of a, a, a defensive position. I think this is kind of where uh, where I'm sorry, I forget to call his name. Um, but it's kind of, I think, where the caller's going a little bit. And I, and, and I have, uh, in the past, uh, there's been a couple of people who have stated to me, um, you know, they like they didn't like like you and Mark Pickering was like mm-hmm. one complaint. Oh, everybody complains guy. about all kinds of things. And uh, you know, it, some people love it when Mark yep. and I uh, bicker yep. and some people hate it. So yep, what are sure. you going to do? Sure. And also, that, you know, people have been like, oh... You know, uh, they, they've complained. Uh, some people have complained about you being like too hostile towards callers. Mm-hmm. They've complained about Aria being too hostile. Yeah, sure. And 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 like like I, you know, like you said, you're, you're kind of burnt out. And and you and and you're, yeah, but we got those complaints before I was burnt sure, out. Sure, sure. But uh, you know, when you when you start getting like you know nonsense phone calls from people and like just annoying stuff, I, I you know I can see where you sort of get a little sour. Uh, so that might be, yeah. I think, where he's going, and I'm, I'm just kind of. Well, I guess what do you what do you mean, caller, when you say crash? What does that mean? Where you just where no matter what they say, you you just have to rail against it, and then just try to poke them and prod them, and just try to get them, you know, mad as all get out, and you you just kind of shut them down. Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on what that person's saying. I mean, my perspective is, uh, you know, if you're going to call in and you're advocating for whatever tyrannical government program or something, then I'm going to go at you. I mean, that's what's going to happen. I don't know what you were calling about, so I obviously know, have no point of reference in regards to you specifically. And if somebody calls in and they're hostile, I'm going to, give it, I'm going to feed it back to them. If somebody calls in and they're just having a nice conversation, we're going to have a, a nice, friendly conversation. So it just kind of depends on what the person brings to the table. But I, I appreciate the feedback. Yeah, hey, I think what y'all are doing is great. Like, I'm not, like, trying to chop you down. I'm just saying, you know, like, let somebody finish a thought, and then if somebody is a halfway decent person, they'll finish their thought and then let you respond. Yeah, no, and I feel like we do that most of the time. The, the, people, the only problem is when that. somebody thinks that they can just go on and on and on, like Skeeter's an example of this, where they'll just, if we let Skeeter, he would just read a page out of a book. And yep. that's not a conversation, right? So, yeah, that doesn't work. That uh, doesn't work at all. Yeah. A, a couple years ago, a good friend of mine called into the show. His name's Dave Kopaz. He mm-hmm. does like a little red pill politics thing on uh, Saturday nights on Facebook. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, he... Uh, uh, and, and he's been doing like you know radio stuff and podcasts for years also. And he he called into your show. He was the, the I don't know if you remember who Dave Kopaz is. Yeah, I remember uh, he drag drug a flag right. around. That's uh, exactly Porkfest that's once. exactly what he he called in to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, then and I listened to the call and like uh, so so at the end of the segment you're like oh and thank you very much for your Dave and he still had a whole lot more he wanted to tell oh, you. Oh yeah, that's also you common. Know, you know yeah. and uh, and and he was like he was like offended. That you um, like, you know, cut him off, and I yeah. says, "Well, he was at the end of the segment, and um, you know, he had other calls coming in, and you know, don't feel offended, you know, that uh, he says thanks, have a great day, and cuts you off because because right. even you and I have been friends for a long time, and I call in all the time and say stuff, and then you're like, all right, Jay, thanks, and I, you know, I'll go on forever." You know, sure. I, I have the yeah. ability to do that. I have that. to interrupt you. Sure. <laughs> if and, I just sit here, yeah. you'll just talk. Right, right, right. And uh, it's, but so, anyways, you know. Um, 
and and I just know I, I don't get offended because I just yeah. I understand what's going on. I've been here, uh, but there are like people who are callers that like you know they kind of get offended. Yeah, you know, that no they doubt. Get cut off. It's and, a long. That's a long time complaint about just talk radio in general. Yeah. In fact, somebody gave me uh, I forget who I was talking to today about this. But somebody gave me an example of how they called into the Alan Combs show once upon a time. He used to be a, ta- a Fox uh, host. Used to be on with yeah, Hannity. I remember him. Yeah, yep. and uh, he asked Combs. A, he was going to like ask Combs a question about something, and he asked the question, or he said the thing he wanted to say to, to Combs to open. Combs said something back, and the caller started to respond, but he was already cut off. So they didn't even give the person that. This is how it goes on most talk shows: sure. is you get on. You say a thing, mm-hmm. and then they put you on hold immediately, so you have no chance. Yep. Or yep. they just drop the call immediately, so you have no chance to actually respond to what the other individual said. Whereas on Free Talk Live, we'll have the conversation. It will result in people being interrupted, but we'll actually continue the conversation until the point at which we're done with it here in the studio, in which case we'll end the conversation. We'll always say thank you for the call, but then some people who think they can just talk for a half an hour will obviously get offended by that because, well, I had more to say. Well, call tomorrow night then. <laughs> you can you can say something else at that time. But it's hard to it's hard to please everybody. You know, it yeah, really is. Yeah, you, you can't. People talking over each other, that, I don't understand that. Like, why not, like, raise a, like in person? Like, why not raise a hand and say, hey, let me stop you there? And you know, yeah. continue on, but just be freaking courteous about it. And that's long gone. That's Thank you uh, for the call tonight. I definitely, definitely appreciate hearing from you. I do appreciate the feedback. Uh, the number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you want to join the program, you can, and you can bring up anything you want. Just because we let you bring up anything you want doesn't mean you get to go on for a half an hour about it. You have to be interesting. That's not to say we haven't had callers on for a half an hour. We had David Hathaway on for the, the almost the whole first hour of the show tonight. That wasn't a scheduled call. He just called in, and he's, to me at least, just that interesting of a call. This is the fairest show to callers I've ever experienced. I think you're right about that. Uh, there's more coming up here. You can join us. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We have time for you. If you want to jump in, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Jay in the studio tonight. You can join us online, of course, over at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the features we have, including our own social media site over at social.freetalklive.com. You just hop on over there. And you can interact with other Free Talk Live hosts, some of them. And some Free Talk Live listeners and people who don't even listen to Free Talk Live because it is uh, an open server. As long as you're not a spam bot, you're welcome to join. So head over to uh, social.freetalklive.com. When you do join up, there is a question that will ask you, like, how'd you find the server or why are you joining? Something like that. Just put something in there that sounds human. Certainly, if you mention Free Talk Live, you'll get in. If you sound like you're here to spam us, we'll reject you. Uh, so once again, it's uh, so, uh, social.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones here. We got Tony. He's calling us from Chattanooga, Tennessee, listening to WGOW. Go ahead, Tony. Hey there. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, in a couple of years, I'll be 60 years old. So the environment that I grew up in was big on respect. And you two gentlemen, I believe, being of a younger generation, I want I want to know what your thoughts are 
on how a person of of my raising could be respectful nowadays of people because I I find myself wondering as I walk up to the door, I try to hold the door for someone and I wonder, am I fixing to offend this person? Well, first of all, I wouldn't worry about it personally. I, I hold the door for people all the time up here and most of the time I get thanked for it. Uh, whether it's an older person or a younger person, maybe it's just a thing here in New Hampshire. People are, are more courteous. I don't know, but I don't worry myself about what somebody else is going to think about a common courtesy like that. And maybe it's not that common anymore, but I still see people doing it. I had somebody hold a door for me, I think, earlier today, uh, and I, I held to, uh, the door for people earlier today. What do you think about that, Jay? Don't well, I say don't worry about it. Well, are you looking to earn the respect of younger folks? No, I just want to get along. I don't want to upset anyone and start a whole thing when there doesn't have to be a whole thing started. So do you have any kids? Yes. Okay. 30, uh, 30 year old, a 30-year-old. So so the first thing um, I recommend all people do is just treat everybody the way you want someone to treat your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, and I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we should do is be looking to um, earn the respect, um, you know, earn the, um, the friendship, earn the, uh, you know, um, the like, the likeliness of, of people in general. And I think the best way to do that for, uh, someone who is, uh, 60 years old. So you've, you've been here for 60 years. You, you have some skills, you have some knowledge, um, uh, is to, and I want to just encourage, uh, like, for example, if you got grandkids, you said you got a 30 year old. I don't know if you have grandkids or not. Uh, no, no, I don't. Okay. Well, um, do you have, uh, any, any good advice or skills to offer young people? Um, would be my next question. Well, yes, just life in general and, and how I've gotten through. I feel like I haven't made it this far by being an idiot. So if you have something to offer young people because, you know, you've been here for 60 years, um, what what that does is when you start offering people real-world advice, um, uh, you, you might have to sort of learn how to present it because the reaction might not be what you're looking for the first couple of times, and, and uh, I found out to think. Right. But uh, people really come to respect you and and like you if you can pass wisdom on to them. Uh, because, uh, wisdom is, you know, is, is, is like this information that we get from older people that we didn't have to earn. So, and, and it makes, uh, you know, younger people's lives a lot better. When I was a young, in my whole life, I've gotten so much great wisdom by like all the guys that were my dad's friends and all the guys my dad did business with and like, and like, and like the people I ran into and the people who offered me wisdom, um, you know, like I, I have great respect for them. I, I, I admire them. And, uh, that is, uh, if you could offer wisdom to young people or, 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 yeah. And you know, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, whatever. Um, I think that's going to go a long way for your character and going to make your neighborhood, your, your realm of people you run into, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a better place and better for you in the long run, because, you know, if you offer a young man or woman some wisdom and you see them again at the general store or at the Walmart or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to smile at you. They're going to say, hi. You know, they're going to maybe ask you some follow-up questions. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's just the best way to, you know, uh, approach people in general to, to sort of 
bridge our generations because there's a big gap, generational gap between like yourself and say a, a, an 18 year old right now. I think that's true. Okay, uh, well, go ahead, Tony. You know, dealing with the dealing with the youngest generation, the 18 to 20 year olds. If a person my age is out in public and and they and if I want to try to talk to this person or impart some wisdom wisdom on this person, I am I considered creepy for even speaking with them instead of texting to them? <laughs> That's a good question. And I think this would be a question for um, younger people to answer specifically. I mean, Jay, you and I were in our So 40s. I do this all the time. Mm-hmm. I literally approach teenage boys and I'm like, hey, what, what are your guys' goals for to do this summer? Mm-hmm. Do you like girls? And, you know, and quite often the answer is, oh, yeah, I like girls. Well, do you know what girls like? And they're like, oh, well, what do girls like? And I'm like, well, let me tell you what girls like. I'm married to one, and I made babies with her, and here's what they like. They like a man who has confidence and competence. They mm-hmm. like a man who can open up the pickle jar. They like a man that's going to stand between them and danger. They like a man that's going to be able to fix the flat tire on the car, that's going to be able to, you know, uh, um, you know, get involved in a situation that the, that the woman doesn't want to be involved with, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It, they like a protector, a provider, uh, somebody who's handy. If you can fix the kitchen sink. Same thing they've always liked. You, yeah, so so if, you, if you're able right. to walk out of the cave and defend it from the saber-toothed tiger 5,000 years ago, that's what the woman wanted. Today, it's really not much different. Mm-hmm. And you know how many teenage boys like have no idea that women are into that kind of stuff? You <laughs> right. know, They literally think that women want them to wear the Axe body spray and yeah. you know have uh, uh, chrome well, wheels in their th- car. I think that's what we're kind of dealing with to some extent with Tony. It sounds to me like Tony, and, I, and maybe you've had some specific examples in your life that you can relate, but it sounds like you're worried about what other people are going to think, probably based on what you've heard in the media about what young people are like. Or has something actually exactly. happened to you, Tony, to where somebody did get offended by you opening a door for them? I mean, is there a reason why you're oh, concerned? No, no, sir. You, you were correct on the first point. It's the media. Mm-hmm. I watch, you know, I, I watch TV all the time, and it's what seems like the, the world is changing so much that it's that it's going to be illegal soon for humans to talk to each other instead of you know it's by law you must text this person yeah i think it's i think it's overblown i mean the media has certain uh reasons why they do the things they do yeah it's for clicks yeah uh i think it's a lot of it's overblown i think the thing that you ought to do my perspective on this, like I said, if I'm opening the door for people, I don't, I don't prejudge them. Like, oh, is this person going to not like this? If they don't like it, their problem, not mine. Uh, but I think that most people these days and in previous days, just being courteous, being kind to people, showing you know some level of compassion for them, being honest with them, just doing all the things that a good person would do in society. You know, doing these common courtesies of holding doors open for people, saying please and thank you, right? Like these are just basic human. Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for to kind of uh, human characteristics lubricate the human yeah. interaction, right? To to make human interactions yeah. uh, better with one another. I don't think you should prejudge somebody based on their age. Just figure that they're a person just like you and that if you would appreciate a thing that they will appreciate the the very same thing whatever that kindness happens to be and if you happen to encounter one of these media uh people that they've been portrayed in the media if this if this uh, unicorn actually exists they probably do if you happen to encounter somebody that is upset 
about something nice that you did for them, then that says more about that individual and their problems than it does about you or that you did anything wrong at all. You didn't do anything wrong, and you shouldn't worry about what somebody who's going to be all uppity about that thinks. They're going to go off. They're going to have a bad day regardless of what you did. I think I got a good answer for the caller. So if that happens, how do I respond? Well, you can walk away. But if it does, you can either walk away and ignore them or pull out your if you've got a cell phone on you, you can pull out the video camera and just get them on, uh, <laughs> get a record of it and then put it online and you'll go viral so, with, the, with the Karen. Oh, okay. so, so, so here's Remember, the thing. I he, 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 the, so uh, we want to use body language um, to sort of uh, approach a situation. So I learned about body okay. language from horses growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the wild. Like, uh, you know, if you go to go into the forest and you see a snake that has very bright colors, um, I would stay away from that snake. Mm-hmm. You see a frog that has, is, is, is bright pink or bright yellow or any of these animals that have these, you know, colors, I stay away from them. So if you see somebody uh-huh. who has hair that is hot pink <laughs> right, <laughs> you, or, 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 or purple or blue, this could po- po- I, I hate to even say this, but this is possibly that. a warning. Um, that they are, you know, projecting to the, uh, you know, to the world and you might have a little confrontation with that kind of individual. I wouldn't treat them any differently. Individual. No, I wouldn't treat them any any differently either. You're just saying be warned. So if, so if you're concerned, if you're concerned, you know, don't go play with the bright yellow animals (laughs) in the forest. If you're, if you're not (laughs) sure how to, how to interact with the forest creatures Uh because the culture is so far apart. So, but, but if you, but so trying to identify people, you know, based on their appearance, if they have, you know, really good logic and reasoning skills is a little tricky, Mm -hmm. but like one of my good friends, her hair was pink when I, um, you know, when she came home from down South this spring and I'm like, Hey, is that a warning to everybody? Because she and she knew exactly what I was talking about. She's mm-hmm. like, "Yes, it is. It keeps it, 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 it keeps some of them away, or something like she mm-hmm. said." You know, she, we were just laughing yeah. about it. But, um, you know, the uh, uh, the idea that there's the so the pro so the people kind of people you're going to offend by opening the door from them by for, by being courteous by treating them the way you want someone to treat your son or daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or your aging grandfather, right? I mean, yeah. my grandmother's 90 years old. I would love it if somebody opened, held a door for her. She's upset because yeah. she goes into places and people just walk by and don't hold the door. Yeah, sure. And some of those doors, she can't, she has a hard can't time dealing them. with them. Yep. And uh, so if, you know, the thing is, is um, <clears throat> the kind of people you're going to get blowback from are the kind of people who their their brains have been rewired, their 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 uh, frontal lobe is not connecting, you know, to the to, to the uh, proper part of the brain. It should be. It's more connected to the part of the brain that's, you know, uh, activated by, you know, alcohol, um, by drugs. And I've rage. held the door for a lot of people and, and I've never had anybody huff at me for it. Uh, it I neither have I, yeah, but I, I do understand what he's talking about. And those well, examples. Yeah, right. Neither have I. And and those I, examples, I've never had that happen right? But I'm sorry, but right. those examples are also a, a thing like rage porn. So like the the media really likes to push rage porns, which which is like these headlines of like something really awful happened because mm-hmm. it's clickbait. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a, a lot of media for like the past several few decades, their revenue comes from how many clicks they can get. So they want to create these headlines. They want to create this rage porn that people are going to like. You know, click on this and look at it, and and that I believe has sort of 
took in the younger people who are getting all of their you know information sort of from like these media outlets, you know, whatever they are, and as sort of um, you know, uh, got, or not even just people in general are afraid now to be in these situations where they're going to do something nice because these are the kind of things that are publicized on the media, and the world is not as bad as the media. No, wants it's you to absolutely believe it. not. And the, and the media and the governments, of course, they want to divide people, right? We know they want to oh, divide yeah. people by not just their politics. Uh, or their gender, or their you know, or their uh, race, or whatever. They want to divide them by age, and that's yep. why we hear so much talk about the boomers versus the zennials, and ver- you know, mm-hmm. the Gen X versus. And it's just all such nonsense. People are still just people. They just you know, they want to have somebody who cares about them in their life. They want to live and have some kids and take care of their kids. And like, there's just certain goals that people have in life and they want to be happy, you know, and uh, feel satisfied. Like they've accomplished things in their lives. And that's true. No matter where you go on earth, it's true of whatever kind of people, whatever color of their skin and whatever their age is. So let's just start treating people like human beings. Thank you, Tony, for the call tonight. I really appreciate it. It's a great question. And I appreciate hearing from you and, and good luck out there. Yeah. I think it'll be all right. Treat people the way you want people to treat your children, and man, the world's going to be such a good place. Let's continue. James is in Miami. James, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. Well, hi. Thank you, guys. Um, do I sound okay? Yeah, you're all right. Go ahead, James. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, the thing is, I was going to call about something else, you know, but the thing is, I was hearing when I was listening before the guy, the one before this one, he said something that made me think. Because I heard you saying one of the, the shows before how how you 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 were wondering if 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 you were if you guys were like going against either uh, right wingers or left wingers and you were wondering about that. I mean, because you you were saying that you were not sure or something like that, you know. And, and that's the thing I was wondering about. Um, when I first started listening to your show many years ago, like when when Bush was around, you know. Mm-hmm. I have to say the episodes back then were like awesome, you know. I mean, uh, I mean they were just awesome. And then I heard you say something about it's not the same as it used to be. It's just like not many callers, except for like the people that call every night, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering about that. I mean, could it be possible that some people? Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that the show might be going in a more left wing direction. Like I don't want to say that, but if some of the hosts this day say things that would bring leftists, you know, I don't mean liberals, I mean like real hardcore Marxists, the crazy types, you know, like what the man, the, the gentleman here was saying about the pink hair and the, the purple hair, those kind of people, you know, but real crazy ones, left, leftists, Marxists, communists, whatever. And of course, you guys are not that kind of show, you guys are libertarians, mm-hmm. but that makes me think of a caller. I don't, I don't want to snitch, but that's not what I was originally calling about. It's a caller that, he always saying how bad the you know he calls to say that politics are always bad. Trump is bad, all of this, you know. And I, I'm kind of upset by that because the guy says something racist. Are you um, talking about Jerome? Ago, he, oh my, um, yeah. I don't want to snitch, man, but he <laughs> he used the racist term. Um, you know, he something that starts with uncle and you know and sell out. He was talking about a, a conservative um, black person, and he just yeah. threw those words out. Thinking that you guys are not going to say, well, it wasn't, you were not on me and you were not on. It was um, Captain, yeah. the Captain and some, uh, someone, I don't remember. But, yeah, he said those words, Uncle P. And, and I'm like, wow, this guy Uncle just Tom. has the courage to Uncle say Tom. this racist. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and then the main that's a racist term. I, it's well, just a character in a in a book, but but what, what about it though, James? And what's the concern here? I mean, the, James, are you referring to a gentleman who calls on the show? Usually, he calls on Saturday and, or Sunday. Uh, oh. Jerome, he's a gentleman who lives in South Carolina. He's a total partisan. He believes you know everything the Democrats do is good. Everything the Republicans do is bad. What I, I'm not sure what your concern like a cult is. Member well, me. well, For sure. I, I just um, I just. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm hoping that, that you guys are not going more, more left than right, and instead we stay in the middle. You know, because I know. Yeah, no, I don't think the response. Uh, I mean, the know? fact that Jerome calls in is not any kind of indication mm-hmm. of what's on the air. I mean, most of the time Jerome is in complete disagreement with, uh, with the opinions of the hosts of this show. So I don't think he's an indicator of anything at all. And usually the response is to have as much fun with Jerome as possible because he is fairly entertaining in the way that he is a complete partisan. Like he's a perfect example of someone who does not think he does not think about anything at all. He just simply regurgitates the things that he hears from the left wing talking points. But oh, I, he should call in next Thursday. I'd like to talk to him. It'd be awesome if he called during the week, but he doesn't. Yeah. He just for whatever. I think yeah. it's because we're we're on in South Carolina uh, in oh, Charleston yep. on the radio on Saturday and Sunday, so he's actually listening. I think when he's calling in, so we don't. We almost have well, never heard from him during the week. Uh, James, yeah, I wouldn't con- well, be concerned about that, man. Uh, mm-hmm. The the show has always well, been yeah. libertarians, and we attract various yeah. callers. That's why I listen, you know. But Ian, just one last thing, if you don't mind. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to ask you. I I, I know that you were. I mean, you were talking about callers and uh, and the usual callers. Do you remember a guy that used to call some about when when Mister Perry was there, was there? It was the guy that would call in, and he he I think it was in the Philippines, and he would always say. Oh, I hate Obama. You oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't what remember. Oh, the guy from New Jersey, I Ralph. Ralph, oh, yeah, Ralph. Obama, yeah, that yeah. guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I thought he was from the Philippines or something. Right? I think he was from the Philippines, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, he was living in New Jersey. Yeah, I remember that guy him. was a real character, man. <laughs> Well, what happened to him? You guys I don't know. We don't ever. We almost never find out. You know, like if somebody is. Well, I, I don't know what his age was, right? But there've been. We've been on for twenty uh, years, right? So some of our callers have yeah. passed away uh, over the years. I, mean, I know. So I mean, but maybe I that's a possibility, or right. or he just moved on. But Ian, I was wondering uh, when you guys get to like I don't know your one millionth episode, <laughs> uh, do you do you guys plan on doing like a special? So, were you guys? I don't think we're going to be alive at one. (laughs) None of us are going to be around anymore (laughs) at one million episodes. So, so what number are you guys on right now? I don't know. Twenty years. If we're on every day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. I mean, that's that is a lot of episodes. But I think a million would definitely put us past seventy-four hundred. The point of no return. Well, (laughs) thank you, James. I was hoping you guys would do that. Well, thank you guys. Have a good night. Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. Uh, yeah, a million episodes. That's, I don't know how many years that would be, but it would be a lot. Let's go to uh, Major Payne in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Yeah, speaking of old men that ain't dead, um, I'm amazed I got through to you. I had to call information to get the call-in line number. My phone got nuked the other night. It just flat died. I lost all my contacts and everything. Wow, I'm amazed so you can I, get our number from information. <laughs> That's amazing yeah. to me. It, it took a little diff, difficulty. I had to bump through a couple operators and whatnot, but I actually got connected. Amazing. So right. uh, I, 
I know the last four. What is the the prefix on the call-in line? Six, it's what? 603-283-6160. Of course, we give it out many times during the show, so if you listen, then it shouldn't be too hard to figure it out. What were you calling about tonight, Major? Well, the other one I wanted was the listen line, because that's what I generally use. That's how right, I, right. I'm no longer on here. Yeah, just uh, if you want to hang on, I'll give it to you uh, after the after the show. What were you calling about? All right. Um, well, there's nothing new in my world other than I've been fighting with Verizon and uh, Straight Talk for two weeks. Oh, no. Straight, I used to have a Straight Talk phone, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, the thing just flat died on me. Mm. In the middle of, uh, I was listening to you guys sitting here dozing on the couch. And I just thought maybe the battery had died. But that wasn't the case. It would not turn on. It would not do anything. When I did pop the chip out, I finally did get the battery to charge. And uh, it didn't die because of a dead battery. It just died. Yeah. And yeah. Every day is an adventure. I got a friend who's a a cell phone guru that helps me out. He goes on, I think it's called Swappa.com. And he bought bought me a couple reconditioned Pixel 3As. They were Mm -hmm. like 100 bucks a piece. Nice. Cheap. They're like, I I don't need like high powered whatever phone, you know. And um, he, you know, put all the D Google stuff on and, you know, set me up with some things. But, That's the uh, way to go is to get a reconditioned phone. I've I've done it many times. So, so like if you had like a 1968 Camaro, the guy you want to work on it is a guy who loves those old muscle cars. Mm-hmm. So a buddy of mine, he's just he loves phones, gotta know and that internet guy. devices. So he's my guru. Got to find that guy, Major. Thanks for the call. Put you on hold here. We'll get to the listen lines off the air. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about the library thing. I'll just give you the bullet points. I went through the the case uh, filing here from the judge. Uh, Odyssey's not enjoined, so Odyssey will continue cool. on. They're not going to have to pay a fine. They're not going to get the get shut down. Library uh, is not allowed to basically continue existing. The corporation, they're going to have to close down. Their app still works. That's the thing. The code is going to continue. Will they launch? Will the library supporters launch their own decentralized autonomous organization? I don't know. These are some of the things that I think we'll find out in the coming months. And uh, let's see what else. They, uh, oh, they also ruled, the court ruled that holding or purchasing library coins for consumptive purposes is okay, and that is not a violation of the Securities Act. So if you bought library coin on an exchange, then that was not an illegal sale or anything like that. Or if you've sold your library coin to somebody else just as a person-to-person sale, it sounds like that's okay, according to this judge. Jay, you've got something coming up you want to promote. So, yes, I am going to be a speaker, a presenter at the uh, Non-Conformist Series, August 11th through 13th. Go to anarchopoco.com to learn more more about this. Uh, Learn how to build healthy homes and lifestyles you deserve. This is an online thing, right? Online thing, yes. At anarchopulco.com. That's correct. Coming up August, about a month from now? Yep. All right, very cool. Out of time for tonight. Uh, If you didn't get on tonight, we'll be back on, I think, maybe tomorrow, definitely Saturday, uh, with another live episode of Free Talk Live. Meanwhile, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.